Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Top of the morning to you. It's the sports. That was my accent. Uh, it's the sports animals here. The Bobby Curran show is on ESPN Honolulu with Chris Hart. That's me and Gary Dickman. Uh, you know, you guys on the west side, you might want to get up a little early today if you haven't left the house yet. One lane of Farrington Highway is open uh, as you're headed into town. There's an accident near Black Rocks Beach Park. We'll keep you updated. We'll have an update here in about oh, 12 minutes on ESPN Honolulu, but traffic is going to be bad coming in from the Leeward Coast, at least for now. Hopefully they clean that up soon. All right, Uh, let's get to the task at hand. Let's do our little radiator show right here. A lot of top headlines to cover today. First of all, Kevin Durant is shocked. Kevin Durant is shocked by Steve Nash's exit. Couldn't believe his ears when he heard it. I was shocked that KD was shocked. Come on. I mean, it's some things you know is, aren't true and that, you know, it's coach speak, player speak, and that was an example. I, I would be surprised when KD agreed to come back that they told him, hey, first time we lose three games in a row, don't worry, we'll get rid of Nash before Christmas. We almost guarantee, the, can't guarantee the date, but we guarantee he'll be gone as soon as you guys lose. So it's a win-win. If you win, great. If you lose a couple of games, he's gone. So you'll be okay, KD. I, I have a feeling words to that effect were said to him over the summer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to research more into this because part of me wants to say that Steve Nash is actually kind of sick of the whole thing, too. I mean, it wasn't the I, maybe I'm wondering out loud if it was the typical. Yeah, uh, now is a good time for us to depart. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe I should leave here. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if he got sick of this and just said, I'm wondering. And a little bit of him said, you know what? Okay, I'm gone. All right, the whole Kyrie Irving thing, I'm tired of these distractions. We can't get anything done because of everything that happens off the court. Bye-bye. Not seven games into a season. You do it in the offseason. You do it a little further in. After seven games leads you to believe that they were just going to make a move as soon as possible, coming off of a win. And I don't think anybody should believe, in my opinion, that it was a mutual agreement. They told Steve Nash, we're going to fire you. You want to make it look better? We'll make it mutual. All right. Uh, the uh, college football playoff rankings, the first ones are out. Tennessee, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia are in. Michigan, out. I'm not surprised that the four teams that you mentioned are in. I was a little surprised that Tennessee was number one. And we know it'll change in Tennessee and Georgia play this week, Ohio State and Michigan in about three weeks or whatever it is. Uh, So those things will sort themselves out a little bit. Interesting about TCU and Alabama on the outside. And, again, these rankings will change. But it was fun to see that and a little surprising as well. Yeah, but I'm not surprised TCU and Alabama are out, 
right now. Oh, I'm not right? either, but it just oh, shows okay. where they stand with the committee and what, they, like you said yesterday, you have to hope for other teams to lose. Well, right. they know a couple of teams will lose because they play each other. I did say that yesterday. I just wonder what their destiny is. It's their destiny. <laughs> uh, record break, and I don't want to say record breaking day, but it, what I mean, yesterday, yesterday, you were t- you were saying, and you you were right. You're like, well, it's a trade deadline. Not a ton happens, like maybe in some other sports in the NFL. The trade deadline, boy, did it ha- was it? I don't know if it was a domino effect or just there's so many teams that are still in it to win it. But there were a lot of trades mes- yesterday. The most at a deadline. Since 1990 in the NFL. I mean, 1990, we're talking about Joe Gibbs winning Super Bowls, I think, if that was the year. You know, it was that's a long time ago. Yeah, I don't remember a trade deadline day like this. Not in football, not at all. And there were some significant names. Uh, I think some teams improved themselves, and I think Miami was definitely one of them. But, yeah, this was quite a day of big names going. It'll affect fantasy, which we'll get into later. Oh. But uh, it was fun yesterday to see these. I, I like the yesterday. trade deadline in any sport because you get to see so many big names switch teams, and we definitely saw a lot of that yesterday i think that the miami dolphins would have to be the big winners correct yeah that's what i was just saying i think miami was one of the winners if not the biggest definitely think, what they got i think the biggest winner with bradley chubb plus they got to get rid of chase edmonds and they get jeff wilson who hasn't been that bad but now he's not going to play much in san francisco because of mccaffrey so they get him to miami which will probably be an upgrade as you kind of now what do you mean wilson hasn't been that bad i thought he was really good well i have him on my fantasy team so his first start or his second Uh start he he ran for over 100 yards i think he had two touchdowns Uh Uh, the last couple of weeks has not done well last week of course with mccaffrey getting some of those carries but he's been a little under 10 points for a couple of weeks in a row in fantasy so okay so he's Antonio Gibson-like. Could be, but, I mean, part of it is he wasn't getting re- – I mean, last Sunday, you're not really blaming right. him. It was McCaffrey getting, you know, 18 carries, I believe. Uh, I wonder – okay, so is that a step up from Raheem Mostert? Well, I also I wonder if, like, for example, Wilson's projected for five and a half points, 5.7 this Sunday. I don't know if he's an upgrade, but I think he's going to be a backup. I don't think he's going to start necessarily. Oh. I, I would doubt it based on what they've mm. done this year, and especially coming in the middle of the season. Uh-huh. It's probably going to take him a few weeks to get – I don't think it'll be like Christian McCaffrey in the second week getting three touchdowns. I think it'll take uh-huh. a little longer. <laughs> okay, how's this? Okay, this is the strangest one. The Falcons trade Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. Is there, a, is there a provision in the clause that says if he never plays again, then we get a draft pick back or something? I don't think that, but I, I would think he is going to play again. He's just not going to play this year. Well, so he's not, suspended an, indefinitely. It's I thought not it was for, for one sure. year. No, it's not for sure that he's coming back. I would imagine that would somehow avoid the contract, but I, I did think it was a year. Uh, but he's definitely not playing this year. It's not. It's not. It, there's nothing that said he's out for one year. I You're right. I am that. reading further that I guess it's possible. Of course, I'm but, right. <laughs> of course, I'm right. Wouldn't there be some kind of clause you would have to think? Let's say for some reason Goodell no, says. No, I just said that. I know, but I'm saying the clause would be that you would just void whatever you give, and everything would just be voided out. But they probably wouldn't know that for some time because they're not going to make right. an announcement today or in week ten probably would take place after the season and maybe they have a hint jacksonville did or does that maybe he's on his best behavior and the nfl is thinking okay it'll only be a year i would think they did a little research before making a trade like that yeah uh they're not just making the trade and then hoping i mean the the jaguars have christian kirk 
who I have too. I love the guy. He's been really good this year. He, I guess he's their number one guy, Zay Jones. Um, let's see, Marvin Jones Jr. is going to be a free agent uh, this next season. Uh, they're not expected to bring him back. Um, so would Ridley be the WR1 when he gets there? I would think so. Him, maybe Kirk will have a chance at that as well, but I would think he'd have a good chance to do that, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he comes back next year. Uh, he can petition the commissioner in February uh, to see if he is allowed to return. Another headline locally here, Abu Ma'afa'a, the head coach for Kamehameha football, uh, has been released. That's horrible news. That's sad news. Yeah, I was disappointed, and it did make pretty big headlines on social media with a lot of people commenting. And it's just, to me at least, it's one of those jobs where if you're going to look at wins and losses, it's going to be hard for anybody to really have a lot of success these days. It doesn't mean it can't happen. With St. Louis and Punahou at the top of their game, Kamehameha has been good. They've been competitive. But they've never, I mean, last year they beat both Punahou and St. Louis. In fact, I believe they swept one of them. I think they swept St. Louis, but they won three of those games. This year they didn't. And it's been a tough road that way. But from all the comments I'm reading, like 95%, and none of a critical, they're just saying if you don't win, you're going to lose your job. But a lot of them are saying what a great mentor uh, Coach Abu has been to the kids there, which I think is pretty important. I love hearing that about coaches here all the time for the most part. And, uh, I, I mean, maybe it's one of those deals, be careful what you wish for. How are you going to win there right now? I mean, I, I mean, it's just a little harder to get into the school there. You only have a select group where, you know, Punahou and St. Louis are getting them from anywhere. I mean, and that's, you know, that's within the rules. It's great. But for Kamehameha, I feel bad for Coach Abu. Hopefully, he'll, if he wants to coach, he'll hook up somewhere and get another gig. Yeah, I mean, it, they can get players from anywhere. You're saying Puno and St. Louis can get players from anywhere. They, yeah, they have. They've done a good job, and they've got. You know, they've had consistently really good teams. Now, St. Louis was a little down this year, of course. They lost a lot of players to graduation and transfer, but we still know they're a very good program. Of course, I mean, they don't even have to say anything after St. Louis. And Punahou, with how great they have been this year, I mean, they, they could beat Kahuku if they meet in the state championship game. They are that good. You, you got to hand it to uh, um, the school for being in the open division. I mean, if Kamehameha was in Division One, you know they'd be they'd be ruling, right? right? Yes. Uh, by the way, Tanner says they swept uh, Punahou last year. St. Louis won the ILH okay. last year, Gary. But they beat both teams. They still beat both teams last year. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I did something about this is part of the problem and i'm again wondering out loud is part of the problem over the years that maybe some of the neighbor island kids and i could be way outdated on this so text in at 808-296-1420 and help help a brother out is a part of the problem that the oahu team is watered down with this with kamehameha maui and kamehameha hawaii having their uh, own campuses on their islands whereas i think before they dormed on uh, kapalama I, I know people that did dorm there so that could no be i know they i know they did dorm in the past but it's, it's that considered part of the 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 problem i don't know i mean look there's a culture at st louis it seems that there's a culture at st louis where um, if you've got a kid that's, uh, you got an eighth grader that's 6'2", 
250 pounds and he's athletic, you're, you're thinking football for him, uh, Division One scholarship. And where's, where do people usually send their kids? To St. Louis School. It's a football school. Uh, in the past, if you were a quarterback, where did you go? Well, you went to you went to St. Louis because Vinny Passis is the quarterback whisperer. Even if your kid didn't go to St. Louis, you still sent your kid over there to learn in the offseason right. from Vinny Passis. Guys like uh, Dylan Gabriel and Mackenzie Milton and Division One Bonafide Division One star quarterbacks, not only from St. Louis but all over the islands, have learned from Vinny Passis. I call him Vinny like he's my friend. I guess I should call him Vince, Vincent, Vinny. Anyway, um, if Punahou decides that they want to start recruiting. And I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying anybody's recruiting. But if Punahou decided they wanted to, they could. Back in the day when Rod McPhee was the president, Punahou was great uh, in tennis, water polo. Shout out to Dan Hill, water polo. <laughs> uh, water polo, tennis, track, uh, soccer. Not so good in football. Once in a while, an Al Harrington or a Mosi Tatupu comes along, right? Yeah, um, uh, 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 not Daryl Gabriel. Daryl Gabriel, yeah, Daryl Gabriel. Guys like that, and then um, you know basketball, they were great. But you know the court sports and, and stuff like that, they were fine. And then you have a new president come in after Rod McPhee, and all of a sudden, the the complexion of the the, the sports teams look different. That's all I'm going to say. All of a sudden, you don't have to cut your hair. Um, it's, you know, they're being sensitive, that kind of stuff where guys like Tanner Hayworth, you know, well, Tanner, no, Tanner's actually this generation. If you were the generation of yesteryear, if your hair touched your collar, well, you're sent to the principal's office. <laughs> it's did not, a, it's just how it was, you know, right. and, um, maybe it was just different times back then. But when you looked at when DeForest Buckner, I remember was playing there. And and uh, Manti Teo, and you would look at we were at a basketball game once, ten years ago was it? Is that something like that, about, Gary? Yeah. We're about ten years ago. We look at the look at the look at the Punahou basketball team. They don't look anything like anybody in the crowd. Whereas you look at the IAEA basketball team, and they all look the same. This is kind of what the the neighborhood looks like. Punahou doesn't look like that. Why is that? So you see what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. Punahou, if they wanted to, to make a long story short, Punahou, if they wanted to, could make themselves state champions every year. St. Louis is a, you know, that's a training ground for Division One college athletes. Kamehameha has to go up against that. And because of the requirements to get into the school, they're, you know, they're, that's why there's 17 wins and 34 losses and a tie in the last six seasons. I mean, Doug Cosby former tight end for the Cowboys, wasn't any more successful than than Abu Ma'afala. Right. So why fire the guy? If, by all accounts, he's doing a great job in leading up young men, uh, young boys, to be great young men. Isn't that what high school sports really should about? It should be about? Isn't that what, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that what, um, the student athlete is student first 
I'm not putting down Kamehameha. I don't understand, you know, because if it wasn't, if this was another school, I remember somebody got fired at Castle High School a number of years ago. I don't remember his name, but he was a great man. And it's just sad anytime a high school coach is fired. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Not particularly just Kamehameha, but any high school coach. It's, it's really sad because it's like, well, this isn't, this isn't college. There aren't millions of dollars up for um, at, at, at stake, are there? Not in high school. Unless you're like Bishop Gorman or Matter Day or, you know, some of those, you know, really or, powerful football factories on the mainland. That, I or, can understand or, winning means that much. Right. Or Matter Day. Uh-huh. Matter Day, sorry. But when you, I agree on the high school part. It shouldn't be solely or the priority shouldn't be winning or losing. And, we, and I, like I said, I don't know what the priority is. I mean, you want your sports teams to win, and maybe this happens all the time. It's just amp- more amplified because it's a sport of football. And in this situation, I think, I mean, for example, we've seen Kahuku let go of their coaches where they have to reapply every year. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's, right, a, to- that's a total another well, total, but, but story of is, wackiness. But the point is there were coaches that were either not retained like Reggie Torres uh, Greg Tacone in yes. basketball, not retained. Uh, but Kamehameha, I think we all both agree it's in a different situation where, I mean, it's going to be hard to compete. You know, the, the, the qualifying process is a little bit different to get in there. And, again, be careful what you wish for. I am curious on who they're going to get. If it was for any other reason, you might understand it a little bit more. We understand the reason, just winning and losing. But it's a tough situation. It appears from all reports, all accounts, uh, overwhelmingly, Coach Abu did a good job there, except on the field with winning and losing, which, again, you know, that situation, I think he did a good enough job to keep his job, unless there's more we don't know. Yeah, and he was a very class act in the Honolulu Star Advertiser, Billy Hull's article about this, very class act with his comments, grateful for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Now, it's not like he's out on the street. He's still going to be employed by the school, which is very good news as a uh, athletic relations associate. In the athletic department. So, um, you know, he's it, he still, you know, gets to impact young people. True. I guess which is the important part of this whole story. All right, it's uh, 19 minutes after the hour, a little bit late, but let's get a traffic update. It's a mess, or it was at least 20 minutes ago. It's a kind of a mess coming in from the leeward side. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, yuck. Another traffic update in less than 10 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of bad coming in from the west side. From the leeward coast, we told you about that. And then now the accident by the uh, Waiau exit. Uh, Let's keep it going, folks. Stop texting and driving. (laughs) Slow down a little bit. And you know what? Once in a while when you change lanes in front of somebody, give your union a shaka. I mean, Ah, come on. I mean, give them a thank you. People don't do that anymore. I always look for that because I always do, and I always look to see if I get the wave or the shock of back. And it's nobody like 50, waves 50 anymore. Days, right? It's like, like how hard is it to go? Hey, thanks. Yeah. Or, hey, hey, sorry, thanks for letting me cut in. Yeah. It, even local people. It, that used to be well, mainland people. They don't do that. When you go to the mainland, they don't do that. No. If you wave at them, they look at you funny, like I don't know you. Why are that, you waving at that's me? Right. To me. Yeah. Right. And but it, but local people don't do it. The young people don't do it anymore. Hey. Come on. Hey, thanks, brother. Tanner, talk to your peeps. Tanner, yeah. <laughs> Tanner, put something on Twitter. <laughs> so the rest of Generation Z says a nice little, hey, thanks. Have a nice day. 
Oh, here's something. It's called the Aloha Spirit. Don't let it die, kids. It won't take much time. All right, a team that did not have any Aloha Spirit last night for their opponent was the University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine basketball team uh, beating up on HPU. What was it, 73-49? to Yes, yes. Hey, HPU's got a couple of good players, though. They, they've been really good the last few years. They have, they have a coaching change for whatever went on behind the scenes last year. Uh, so a new coach there. They have had talent, as we said, for the Rainbow Wahine. They played HPU, I think, several years in a row in an exhibition game. And they were trailing early, which is probably a good thing. You want to face a little adversity and see what you got before the regular season starts. And yeah. we know there's a lot of returning. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into the trailing early thing in an exhibition game. I don't think that really means a lot. What, what I what I got. I mean, out I of think this, you're you're kind of working on things. This is what we're gonna do. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, and you played a lot of players. Uh, quick count is got to be about four, 15 players, I believe, uh, maybe even more. So you play everybody, and you want to see about the new players. And a couple of new players really impressed. One of them, the freshman out of Iolani, Jovi Lafotu, coming off the bench and having a game high 20 points. She hit her first six shots of the game, ended up shooting seven for eight, and 20 points in only 17 minutes plus. Uh, and I, wow. I was watching the highlights of her. She got a rebound at one point, defensive rebound, brought the ball up court and just pulled up. And I don't want to compare her with Steph Curry. It wasn't a three. But the way she just, you know, went in transition and just pulled up, stopped on a dime, nothing but net from about 16, 17 feet, looked beautiful. I mean, I got a true freshman playing high school on this court maybe next last year. I don't know if they played the championship there at Blaisdell, but – Wow, she was really impressive last night, and there's so, so many great things attributed to her with the potential. And she did show it. Of course, it'll start next week with the regular season with Oregon State. And then her sister, who was the freshman of the year last year in the Big West, from Iolani also, but played at Cal State Fullerton, Lily Wahini Kapu. Wahini what? Kapu, I'm sorry, what? Wahini Kapu uh, looked pretty good as well. Didn't shoot well, but just watching some of the highlights, you know she's got talent. Again, freshman of the year, and now she's basically taking Amy Atwell spot for this team. Wow. Okay, so they're sisters, but they're they're full sisters, but they have different last names. Who can explain that? You or Tanner? I can't remember who, who was talking Tanner about was that. Tanner broke it down. Tanner, how does that break that down for me? So this is like the someone telling the story from someone who heard the story. <laughs> uh, so I, so this was mostly from Dave Kawada, who is the play by play caller for yeah. our Rainbow Wahine uh, basketball. Uh-huh. And he was ba- he broke it down like this: is the family wanted to keep the Wahine Kapu, you know, name going, so they gave it to their first uh, child, their first so born, that's Lily, so uh, Lily Wahine Kapu, and then the two young younger siblings, uh, Jovi and their uh, little brother, both got uh, Lefotu. There you go. You see. You learn something new every day when you listen to this radio station, don't you? Thank you, Tanner. Not from us, but maybe from Tanner. Okay, is Jovi Lafoto? I know this is an exhibition game, but are we talking a, a Shana Lekawehu type player here? What, what, what are we talking here? I mean, you talk about there's me a lot hyping. of hype, but there's a lot of hype. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of hype coming into on this Rainbow Wahine team. They lose, you know, the best player in the league, and yet they're still looked at as number one because of these uh, incoming players. That, remember, uh, for uh, the preseason poll, Lily was first team all Big West. Again, I know it's just preseason, so we know how highly regarded she is based from last year, what she did. 
I, I don't know about Jovi, how good she'll be. I mean, again, it's only the one preseason game, but I think you can tell she has the skill to play in the D1 level. How productive she'll be stat-wise, we'll find out, but I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a process, and that's fine for a true freshman. I mean, the expectation of her to be, you know, an all-conference player or something like that is tough, and her sister was the big West freshman of the year. If the freshman anything- of the year? Freshman of the year. If she's anything close to that, that's going to be great. But you have so many other returning players on this team that yeah. can still have this team. At least, you know, preseason polls are what they are, but this team is as good as anybody on paper. They have to show it on the court, but they're going to be right there at the end. I have no doubt, based on everybody returning, uh, without knowing about some of the other teams, but I know there were some good players that graduated out of the Big West, they're going to be right there in March in Henderson and hopefully in that championship game once again. Is, Je- is our pal Jeff Harada still coaching at Cal State Fullerton? Yeah, I'm not sure how happy he is about Lily transferring to uh, Hawaii, but, yes, he's still at Fullerton. Yeah, gosh. And uh, so, you know, again, it's just great to have basketball back. Now, with the with the Rainbow Wahine playing uh, last night, again, the final uh-huh. score is 73-49. Their regular season starts next Monday at Oregon State. They'll also have Portland on the road. Hawaii men, the men basketball team, they get their exhibition game tomorrow. Okay, so, yeah, the men are going to play tomorrow, and they're playing uh, the Vulcans of UH Hilo. But um, so it's going to be a stretch until we get to see Laura Beeman and her ladies again at the Stan Sheriff Center. I think the next game is Florida Gulf Coach or Lipscomb, whatever. It's on November. It's on November 18th. So we're about three weeks away, a little over three weeks away from a home game. A little over two weeks. Duh. It's November Sorry. 2nd. Yeah. Sorry. It's November. <laughs> Good morning. And that happens every year with them because usually the men will open up with a tournament like they do again starting on the 11th. So they usually start the season on the road and then, you know, come back and have a whole bunch of home games. But remember, coming up in late November, Stanford, number two in the country, comes here. I believe it's Sunday the 26th yeah. is that game at and 2.30 in the afternoon. They have one person in the uh, the AP All-American uh, all preseason team and one honorable mention, both from the same school in Stanford. That will be a test. Yeah. And and as uh, you know, uh, talk show hosts say, it'll be fun to watch. It will be I fun mean, to I be watched. I love seeing those top ranked teams come here. You get I love them because they're fun to watch. And you know, think you know, I think that was going to draw a pretty good crowd last night. The listed attendance was five ninety three, and our correspondent Ben Benjamin did make a brief appearance and said it looked as crowded or you know as crowded as a regular season game some i've been to a lot of those exhibition games for them and you'll get a couple hundred people normally on a weeknight especially but last night ben said was probably one of the bigger crowds he has seen there okay come game all right jordan helley uh from spectrum sports also you enjoy him on our uh digital some of our digital platforms here he's coming up next we're gonna talk some uh football yes yes that's on the way on espn honolulu 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. First, this message. According to Feeding America, one in ten people in Hawaii face hunger, while one in six keiki here in the islands go hungry as well. So we ask that you please give to the Hawaii Food Bank. Visit hawaiifoodbank.org. It's a message from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu.
Got a big football game once again. We're in the home stretch of the season of the final third for the University of Hawaii football team, and we're going to get into it now as we are joined by the uh, Spectrum co-host for the pregame, halftime, and postgame festivities for home games for UH. Also the co-host with Hunter Hughes on Hawaii Football Now, the great podcast that you can check out at ESPNHonolulu.com, and he joins us now via the Aloha Kia hotline. Jordan Hele is with us. Jordan, great to talk to you again. Let's look back at Saturday first, and in your observation, I think the defense is one of the standouts when you look at this team, the interceptions and some of the other big plays, but what was your biggest takeaway on the positive side from Saturday's game? Oh, yeah, on the positive side, uh, yeah, they're starting to take the football away, right? Uh, that was something that they haven't shown so far in the season leading up to the Wyoming game, and I, and I think, you know, so much pressure was put really on both sides of the football, you know, the lack of uh, explosive play, whether that's turnovers on defense or, you know, 25-yard pass plays, 20-yard run plays on offense, where you just put a lot of pressure on yourself, right? you got to be good every single snap. you got to be good every single drive. Um, and it just it kind of it, it lifts a little bit when you can get some turnovers, and we saw that in the first half, um, you know, for the University of Hawaii defense. In the second half, that wasn't the case. Uh, all of a sudden, you got to stop this vaunted running game, and, and things kind of unraveled, right? And they, they gave up some big, big runs, which is concerning, you know, very reminiscent of that New Mexico State game. Uh, and then offensively, I think, you know, glass half full, there were plays to be made. There were opportunities out there. Um, I think the, the biggest takeaway, whether you want to call it positive or negative, is just missed opportunities, missed opportunities mm. uh, to take advantage of turnovers on offense, missed opportunities to hit some big plays in the passing game, some some bad drops, uh, you know, some that maybe aren't necessarily blatant straight-up drops, but but plays that were there to be had that, that weren't made, right? right. Scott Bowen's targeted 12 times, only four catches, I think is, you know, a little bit of a microcosm of that. A lot of people seemingly are asking the same question as far as the last couple of games especially. What happened to the offense in the second half? What would your reaction or response be to that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's a fair question. Um, it, it's We've... I still think they're caught in between several minds. Exactly, what exactly do they want to do, right? Because I think the good and the bad of it is they've 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 tried different things, right? Whether it's hey, we're gonna we're gonna strap it back and we're gonna run the football, right? We're gonna be a power running team with with tight ends out there. We're gonna have success, and they have had success at times. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna air it out a little bit more. We want to put the ball in Braden Shager's hands. We want to. To, to open up some of these run-and-shoot concepts maybe early against San Diego State, early last uh, last week against Wyoming, even in the driving rain, they were throwing the ball quite a bit, and they've had mixed mm. success there. You know, hey, we want to be a, a spread-running team. We're going to be throwing quick quick screens to the outside. We're going to look for quick runs on the inside with guys like Tylen Hines. And they've had – so all of these different kind of approaches they've taken have been successful at times, and at other times they've been bad, right? The three and out start piling up. And so – I think they, they see a little glimpse here. They see a little glimpse there, and it's like, okay, what's the best path forward? Uh, and I don't know if they've really still yet, nine games in, settled on exactly what they want to do because, you know, I think we saw it in the first half, right, that drive that resulted in the, the Dedrick Parson touchdown catch on the screen. Uh, they went down. It looked really good. They were spreading the ball around, some quick hitters to the outside, got Jordan Murray involved in a screen, some right. running back screens, uh, some quick throws, take a shot downfield in short yardage situations. Um, I, I really like that, but I don't know if we really saw that again. You know, and Tylen Hines, who had the game of his career so far, um, six carries in the first half, had a ton of, you know, explosive plays, uh, only ran it five times in the second half. And so, 
you know, it, it's kind of funny because I think people say, hey, they needed to throw it more early in the season. Now maybe, hey, maybe go back to the run game. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, right? They're, they're kind of, I, I still think, trying to figure out what that identity is. And, and you can say, hey, that's a, that's a problem, right, nine games in. Um, but I think for this group, it, it's much more than a single-year process. But, yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. And, and they've, they've, you know, you'd like to see them settle on something. I'd, at the very least, I'd love to see Hines get more touches. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy. Sure. You know, the it's was it just me or did we seem to run a lot of these uh, try, tr- trying to run these trick plays when we got into the uh, the red zone where we should have just said maybe pounded the ball or just done something a little more traditional? Yeah, I think you know they obviously put some of that package in this week, right? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna expand the playbook a little bit. We're gonna put in some of these gadget plays. Uh, one to to provide a little spark to the offense. Two, hey, it's been a long season. Uh, you want to keep your guys engaged. You want to get them involved. You want to reward a guy like Il Manning, who you know has put in yeoman's work at left tackle for the University of Hawaii for so many years. Now, hey, maybe we'll throw him a bone, right? Let him let him touch the football, catch a team uh. off guard. I just it, the 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 tricky part with that is if you call them at the right time, you're brilliant. If you call them and they don't work, or if it's at the wrong time, it looks disastrous, right? Which basically <laughs> was the case. Well, it, thought, could be, you know, it, it could be. Maybe, it could be. It could. It could be worse. It could be Amari Cooper in the uh, game. The other day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. They didn't turn over the football. They weren't negative plays necessarily. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I thought it was a little early. Right. It's like, hey, they were moving the football. Um, it was right after a turnover, uh, and and I think defenses are pretty tipped off. Right. Hey, after you turn the ball over, the other team's going to try to take a shot. They're going to try to do something a little a little unorthodox, right, to kind of catch you on your heels in those sudden change situations. But, yeah, it was it kind of – it kind of seemed like, oh, boy, okay, maybe, maybe you know, because as you point out, just running their offense was effective at times. They were able to run the football. They were able to get some opportunities in the passing game. And so, you know, I didn't think they necessarily needed to do that, but I think mm-hmm. it was obviously part of the game plan coming in. Uh, and, unfortunately, it just didn't work. And the, the good Lord hit Jordan Helle at birth with the good voice stick. He joins us now on ESPN Honolulu from the Aloha Kia hotline. Talk about the offense and how good they've looked early on. I believe it goes all the way back to the New Mexico State game where they've done their best work in the first quarter. Not as much in the third quarter. In the last two games, only three points total in the second halves combined. But there's something about this offense on the first or second drive where they've usually scored lately. Yeah, you know, and you, you think even beyond that, right? New Mexico State, they score on the first drive. Vanderbilt, they score on the first drive of the season. It's like, hey, mm. all right, guys, mm. here we go, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get pretty excited. Uh, you remember that touchdown run in front of a packed uh, a Ching Field way back in, what was it, August? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You know, and it, it's so hard, right, because it, it's not unique to the University of Hawaii. Heck, Kyle Shanahan gets some of this criticism right in the NFL, right? You script a lot of these plays early on. You have an idea, and then a team adjusts, right? And so how do you adjust to their adjustments? And it's a chess match out there in a lot of ways. And so I think that the, the, the silver lining is, hey, these, there are plays, there are offensive approaches that work for this group. It just hasn't been able to be sustained. Uh, and, I, and, again, I think, it's, I think it's a matter of kind of, almost narrowing it down, zeroing in on, on hey, what, what do we really want to accomplish here? Uh, and, and how do we go about doing that, almost simplifying things for everybody involved from a play-calling standpoint on down, right? It's, it's, uh, it's a delicate balancing act because you've got weapons, you've got, uh, you've got an offense that, that, that's kind of capable of doing different things. The, the, 
the the question is which are they capable of doing consistently, right? And and how do you how do you get there? But I, I think that's a lot to do with it. You know, you see teams in the first half, you see teams opening drives and things like that. You script plays, you practice that all week, and then you're able to go out and execute. But then the the question becomes, right? It's a long game, man. These four quarters. 60-minute games, how do you then adjust once the other team takes away something that was working on early on? So it's it's a tough it's a tough balancing act. Last It'll be tough question. this week as well. Fresno State comes in with, well, they don't come in, but they come back with Jake Hayner, who's been out for about a mm-hmm. month, and he played his first game back after the injury last week. And what, what Hawaii's defense has done with the running game of their opponents, the last two games, almost 600 yards combined led up the rushing game. What are the biggest challenges, do you think, with Fresno State's offense come Saturday? Yeah, they're balanced. Uh, they, they run it decent. They want to throw it. I, I think at the end of the day, they want to throw the football. And, and you saw that last week, Jake Gainer, right in part because they had to come from 18 down. He, he threw it a ton, threw for 394 uh, and the three touchdowns. They, it, it all starts and stops with, with Hayner. And, and obviously him coming back healthy, uh, they were able to weather the storm early on in conference. They've won three in a row. Uh, and so I think, you know, it, it's it's a matter of containing him and, and – and that's, that's the big part for the University of Hawaii is, is just trying to cut out those big gash run plays, right? You can give up yardage. You can give up some field position, hold them to field goals and things like that. That's been the recipe uh, through the first, you know, three, three games of conference play for UH. But you just got to avoid those big gash plays, right? You got you to gotta take that away and try to prevent Ainer from, from burning you too much over the top. He, he's ultra dangerous. I think the other thing is for the University of Hawaii, Look, they run the football well, right? That's been their best offense at times. And, and I believe at last check, Fresno was giving up like 160 yards on the ground. And so I think Ooh. that's something Hawaii can take advantage of. And, and that's one nice way to slow down Hainer, right, is keep him off the field. Well, hopefully that will happen and we can get a win where not too many people are expecting it, especially in Las Vegas. But look forward to the game on Saturday. Only four games left. Jordan, always love talking UH football with you. Love the podcast. Just love hearing your voice, actually. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Always appreciate it. All right, thank you. A little too much love, a little too much manly love there, Gary. That's okay. Jordan Helle joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. If you could get Darren Kimura from the Sports Cards and Collectibles show together with uh, Jordan Helle, and then, uh, you know, maybe have a three-man show with his dad, Barry. Does he still do sports on Maui, his dad, Jordan's dad, do you know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He's a really good broadcaster. I've only heard him a few times. Oh, that guy, that guy is a number one pro, man. Yes. Anyway, thank you, uh, Jordan Heller. You can hear him on Hawaii Football Now, the podcast at ESPN Honolulu. Also, uh, you see him on Spectrum Sports. It's 648. Weather-wise today, partly cloudy today. It'll turn mostly sunny later on in the afternoon and mostly clear tonight. Trades are 5 to 15. We'll get another traffic update next on ESPN Honolulu. Breaking news. 
Actually, breaking news from about 45 minutes ago. Gary, could Daniel Snyder be selling the Washington Commanders? I don't think we should be shocked, but they did hire a securities firm, the Bank of America Securities Company, to explore a sale. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably the easy, easier way out for him. I mean, he was going to fight this tooth and nail. We kept reading over the last month he's not going to go down easy. He's going to take others down with him. Maybe uh, in time he is cooled down a little bit, calmed down a little bit, and realizing that's not the way to go out. And either way, he's not going to last. Or... Or it's only going to get worse for him. He's not going to win. Let's let's get out while we can. Yeah. Let's get out while the valuations of the team are still high. That's a good point. Not too. that they're ever going to really go low. I mean, how often does a pro franchise in the NFL go for sale? It's, so I, I don't think it's shocking that he's exploring this and looking at future transactions, and it'll make a lot of people happy. I mean, I, I know he's got an ego. And some of the things that he's attributed to, at least thinking, if not saying publicly about this team, how he's not going to sell. Again, it's just not surprising that he's doing it. Because if he didn't do it this way, the way some of the owners have talked in the NFL, that you wonder if maybe he would have been forced out. And I don't think you want that. If you're going to go one way or the other, again, that would have been really embarrassing. So it makes sense this way. And uh, I'm sure they'll find a few people that really want to buy this team. And it's just yeah. going to get him out of football. A lot of people want him out ASAP. Well, he's, he's, he's not out yet. So, no. basically, the Snyders remain committed to the team, all of its employees, and its countless fans to putting the best product on the field and continuing to work to set the gold standard for workplaces in the NFL. That was their statement. Uh, so, it sounds like maybe it's not going to happen, something happen overnight. But, you know, you got to ex- – explore i guess see is this exploring that's my question are we just exploring here or is this the beginning of the sales process i would think two very different things there two very different things it would look it would make him look even worse if he's not really sincere about this i don't think well i i think you can you're allowed to say hey we're just exploring that doesn't make you look bad it's hey we're just exploring In this situation if i don't think they are Right, but yeah, and I, I don't think they are. I think this is the beginning of the sales process. It just looks better to say, oh, we're exploring. And then later you go, while we were exploring, we find out we could make $17 billion doing this. So we went ahead. Bring up a good point, though, about the value of the team. I mean, again, it's, the NFL franchises are just like any other pro, not like any, but in addition to other pro sports franchises, are worth a lot of money, and he's going to get a lot of money for this. I don't think that's you know going to be holding it up, hopefully. But I, I just wonder if he waited longer, is the value going to go down? And again, it might as well. No, it looks like it's no. inevitable value. that he's going to have to lose the team, get rid of. Yeah, I, I take that back. I, I don't think the value goes down. It doesn't matter who the the ex owner is or what happened. This is a sports franchise in the in the, the nation's capital. You have a history of when the team's good, you know, sellout after sellout after sellout with a rabid fans uh, fan base. I think this is a this is this that was is, a while ago. That was a long. They they don't get right, sellouts anymore. Right, but I know I understand that, Gary, because when, if you're listening to the radio show, I said when they were good, when they were good. They used to sell out game after game after game. Daniel Snyder kind of ruined all of that. But it just goes to show you in Baltimore or wherever all the fans are coming from, they'll, they'll be there. If you win, they'll come back. They've just been disgusted for so many years with Daniel Snyder. 
has not worked out, has not worked out on or off the field. Okay, do we have another traffic update coming up, Tanner? All right, that's on the way in our top stories. Coming up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Today, Kamehameha Schools has uh, released Abu Ma'afala, their head coach for the past uh, seven years, six years, seven years. Um, he will remain with the school in another capacity in the athletic department. But, uh, you know, kind of a sad day. He went 17 uh, wins, 34 losses, and a tie uh, during his tenure at Kamehameha. On social media, many, many people supporting Coach Ma'afala parents people just that are just fans of the program really supportive saying it was a bad move and they like they love what he has done to their kids over the years as far as being a mentor and a great coach and uh, adult figure they love what they've done for the kids is for what the, i'm sure what you what you meant but um also um we'll get into the you know what um kansas basketball there's something that just came up they self-imposed some sanctions, four-game suspensions for coaches, including Bill Self. Now, that goes back to the Adidas investigation that started and really rocked college basketball back in 2017. I don't know how Kansas escaped this, and I still wonder how, if they will escape this from the NCAA's perspective. Schools, it seems like, when they self-impose, they feel they get off the hook, but maybe we'll, huh? that won't happen there. Rainbow Wahine uh, beat up on HPU last night, 73-49 to in an exhibition game at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. Everybody got to play. Uh, nobody played over 20 minutes, and Jody Lofoto got, Lofoto got 20 points and only 17 minutes off the bench, the true freshman from Iolani. Everybody got to play, and everybody got a participation trophy. Congratulate. Hey, a couple of good players to look out for uh, for the Lady Sharks as well. It was a almost a record-breaking day at the trade deadline in the NFL yesterday. A lot of names going. It was fun to see this. And if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, I think you're kind of happy about getting Jeff Wilson, Jr., the running back, but more importantly, Bradley Chubb, the linebacker from Denver. And yeah. uh, they, they really upgraded their team. People were saying Buffalo did. A few teams looked like they came out winners. Green Bay isn't one of them. They did not go after a receiver. I wonder yeah. why. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder why. Why not? A lot of people are asking that question. I think Aaron Rodgers is the first guy asking that question. I mean, even the even even the Jaguars went out and got a receiver that's not allowed <laughs> to play in Calvin Ridley. But uh, yeah, those are some of the uh, top stories. Really, um, there's kind of an aftermath now going on with the uh, finger quotes mutual agreements of um, Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets to separate. Yeah, but it came out first that he gets fired. Then we hear it was a mutual agreement. I think that's just to make it look better, kind of a PR move for the Nets and maybe let Steve Nash go out with some dignity. Uh, he said allegedly to the GM, Sean Marks, after Monday's win about the players, they're not hearing me anymore. They're not, they're not listening. And that was like the final straw, according to Sean Marks. Uh, 
I think it was just something where he was going to leave at some point if they weren't winning and winning big because of the Durant deal over the summer where he wanted him fired. Sean Marks could be next, but Steve Nash goes out. And now not only the other uh, beat writers and people in the media are beating the Nets up because of that and how they took the player's side over the coach, meaning they took but, Durant's but side. They, because, but they do that in the NBA. You not can everywhere, you, but they do it. It's still not right most, to a lot of people. The, the star player keeps his job. If there's a conflict, the star player in the NBA stays, the coach goes. Unless it's somebody like Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich or something like that. The star player always wins out. That's the culture of the NBA. Yeah, just with everything going on there in Kyrie from last year and maybe not resigning this this year. year. And And this this year with the latest controversy makes it look really bad. But also the thing is that every report... Uh, starting with Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, says that the Nets are going to hire Ime Odoka, former Celtics coach, who's actually still the Celtics coach. He just suspended for the season, and that is a really bad look. I think it is a bad look. I mean, you look at winning and losing at all costs uh, on certain levels. It shouldn't be in high school sports, but in the uh, NBA or any pro sport, it seems to be a lot. And look at what happens with the high, if they do hire him, and it looks like it's inevitable. It'll happen in the next day or two where – why are you hiring this guy? What does it say to the female employees of the Nets organization that you're hiring a guy who was just suspended, almost fired, if not fired, by the Celtics with what he did, and you hire him right off the street in 10 minutes? It's a bad look. I think I do agree when you look at how the Nets have handled everything. It's just really bad between Kyrie, Steve Nash, and the new head coach, if it is Ime Udoka. Yeah, and uh, Mark is calling in about this at 808-296-1420. Good morning, Mark. Hopefully you're not stuck in that traffic coming in. No, no, no. I just happened to be up early, and I hadn't talked to you guys in a while. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make a shout-out. It's really, you know, I remember complaining to you guys, especially you were talking to me, Chris, about the concert that come to Hawaii. Well, it's been great lately. <laughs> I wanted to make a shout-out. Earth, Wind, and Fire is coming, uh-huh. and Ramsey, Lew- Ramsey Lewis, I don't know if you're familiar with Ramsey Lewis, he passed away recently, piano, jazz pianist. Their first hit, they played, the, they were the backup band to Ramsey Lewis for the song Sun Goddess. Wow. And I always loved Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. But I just want to give a shout out because I thought it was so great that the concert situation's been really good in Hawaii lately. Well, because we, we, we didn't have so many because of the pandemic, but... The the problem with concerts is, and I, 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 do they need to cost three hundred dollars a ticket? Nowadays, yes. That's what I paid. That's what I paid to go see Santana about um, six, seven years ago. Man, it's but, so expensive. Um, I just wanted to give that shout out, and um, I also wanted to say, Gary, you must be happy because they're going after the Celtics' ex-coach, and um, that's a good move. Well, on the court, he did a great job for the Celtics. He was good as a defensive coach for the Nets two years ago. But with his off-the-field, off-the-court dealing, it's not really a good look for the organization to hire this guy right away. I didn't think he'd get a job this soon. So, I mean, it's also kind of a bad move. You don't like it? Well, I mean, look what he just did to a female employee in the Celtics organization. He lost his job there. So, yeah, I don't like that part about him, no. Yeah, you don't want to reward somebody. Yeah, that's true. But I I, I think... I, I wanted to ask you, what do you thought about um, what do you thought about the, the top, the big three? That I mean, I know you already commented about Kyrie, but um, 
God, I can't remember the name. Ben Simmons. What did you think about his play? What oh. play? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. That's what I would say with Chris. That he he is still that. And I know Kyrie's defending him. Mr. Roth, you have to play. He's just so t- intimidated. Mark, and thank hesitant. Mark. Mark, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it, man. Have a great rest of your week. Good to hear you. Uh, in, in, in the words of the great Bill Walton, where's Ben Simmons? Yeah, not looking good right now. He is not yeah. a good player. I don't know. Can Ime Udoka all of a sudden get some wackadoodle like Kyrie Irving to um, actually concentrate on basketball? My I mean, opinion- the guy is The guy is such a distraction off the court. And when you say, oh, no, he's not a distraction – when all they're asking you after the game in press conferences is not about the game, when all they want to know is, hey, Kevin Durant, what do you think about Kyrie Irving's you know, thoughts on anti-Semitism? The owner's having to release statements. I mean, it's just, that, you know what that's called? It's called a distraction. He crossed the line. On the court, he is fantastic. I think he's going to get traded before his contract is up at the end of the year. I think maybe the Lakers. The Lakers are oh. desperate. Uh, oh, I would not be goodness. surprised if they just get him out of Brooklyn ASAP. That's all they need. That's all they need. It, it, it really, is it that important, a championship? I mean, In the Lakers, is it that LA, important? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that important. We don't care who this guy is or what he is. And if he decides, you know, is Genie Buss strong enough as an owner to handle Kyrie Irving? To leave it up to LeBron to, to police him. Maybe, but it doesn't seem like like he would listen to LeBron. James. No, I know. I isn't know. that yeah. isn't that why they parted the first time in, from Cleveland? Kind of, yeah. If I was part of it, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, Kyrie I think, Irving I think had Brooklyn nothing good to, to get say. rid of him now. Kyrie had nothing good to say about Le- LeBron James because, quote unquote, LeBron wanted to be the boss of me. Yeah, but now LeBron wants him on his team. I mean, desperately. Because winning matters to LeBron. It matters to L.A. and the fans. I think somebody's – I mean, if you, I think he'll get traded. And I think, again, even though what he's done is so awful and he's not even backtracking or apologizing, uh, well, somebody will probably pick him up at some point. When this, when he this believed, cooled down a little bit. Right. He believes what he's saying. But why isn't he in more trouble? That's my question. Well, the NBA hasn't ruled – the, the NBA still could suspend him or take certain acts against him. They haven't ruled out anything yet. Well, they wouldn't take certain acts against Well, they could suspend a guy. Okay. But they could, you know, but Fine. doesn't he, isn't this a country where you you have freedom of speech? Well, um, it, it is a country, but it's not an organization where you have freedom of speech. Right. No, or, I mean, a, a legal company. No, you don't get, it, it's, it was, I, I was almost tongue in cheek. <laughs> you get yeah. freedom of speech as long as you, as people agree with you. <laughs> You, there's many things that you can't say and keep your job in this country. Oh, you can say whatever you want, and you won't go to jail, but you'll be exiled. Right. I mean, but why is there? Why isn't there more of an outcry of these things that he's saying? There is. Oh, it's it's taken over. I mean, that's all that's written about every day in the papers back there, and I see it on back social where? media. Back where? No, back back in New York. No, but okay, nationally. But I think Sports Center they've covered it a lot. Nationally. National, yeah, they've covered it, but it's not the most despicable thing. If this was somebody else, this would be headline news number one. People would be parked outside his door. It's, um, I think he's getting a little bit of a pass. Well, I think it's still too soon to say, in my opinion, too soon to say that. There are people in Brooklyn who say they're not going to renew their tickets 
some season ticket holders. I only read like a couple of comments on that. But yeah. I, I, th- I think it is really big news back there, and it hasn't died down because he hasn't handled it well. Again, not really apologizing, not really backtracking or anything, which makes it well, even because worse. He believes, but he, because he believes what he's saying. Yeah. But, you know, Kanye believed in what he had to say, and, and I mean, he lost hundreds of millions of dollars yes, because yes. of it. He really did. So, again, you can say whatever you want, <laughs> but it, you don't really get to say whatever you want. Yeah. Always a cost. Not, right. Um, you know, this whole thing with um, Steve Nash getting fired, uh, well, mutual uh, agreement to part. One of our headlines to start the show today was Kevin Durant was shocked by Steve Nash's exit. Really? Were you shocked? Here's Joe Sy. He's the owner. No relation to Stephen. But Joe Sy says that, um, you know, he didn't go to consult with the players about this. But, quote, and this is a quote from ESPN.com. The players were told ahead of time this was the direction we were going. So if you were told ahead of time, KD, the direction the team was going with Steve Nash, why do you come out yesterday and say, I was shocked. I woke up from my pregame nap and saw it on TV. I was shocked. Again, Kevin Durant. A big, fat, juicy liar. I would think he's probably a little surprised that it happened after a win and so early in the season. But, yeah, it's kind of a lie. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's the right thing to say, though, I guess. Now, it might be I'm a little surprised it happened after a win. <laughs> I would believe that. But yeah. when you woke up and turned on the TV and you were shocked. Oh, I was shocked they let Steve Nash go. Perhaps because I wanted him out. And I'm the star player. I get what I want. I always do. Because I'm Kevin Durant and I can still play. That's probably true. <laughs> All of that. That's unfortunate that sports re, uh, re, re, kind of revolve around those kind of things. And right. just, you know, I mean, it's, I don't like that part of it either. But, yeah, I agree with what you said. And, yeah, I just saying the right, saying, trying to say the right thing when I don't think too many people believe his exact words as far as the shock part. Yeah. All right, University of Hawaii uh, football getting ready to go on against uh, Fresno State. We'll get into that in a little while. Also, well, speaking of that, um, speaking of that, if you want to catch the uh, Rainbow Warriors on the road, go on down to Big City Diner, Windward Mall. This week, the countdown to kickoff crew, Josh Pacheco and Arnold Martinez will be there. They, Josh is giving away some prizes. You can enter to win a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations Hawaii. And it's all made possible by the good guys at Modelo. That's right. Paradise Beverages and Modelo, they've got the Mo- Mega Modelos available. 25-ounce Mega Modelo drafts for just $7. So go on down, root on the Bows. It's, uh, let's talk about the Bows and Fresno's rivalry. That's coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart Seven twenty-one. We'll have a surf update coming up here. Uh, also, traffic is uh, from the Leeward Coast all morning has been bad coming in. We'll get another update in just a bit here on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show with the Sports Animals, 
And weather-wise today, it's going to be partly cloudy this morning and uh, be mostly sunny uh, later on in the afternoon, mostly clear tonight. Trades are 5 to 15, not as brisk as they were yesterday, but, uh, you know, still a beautiful day in Hawaii. Nay, Brian Fisher uh, is going to join us a little later on this hour. And who's Brian Fisher? Well, we're going to talk college football. It covers college football and basketball, but we're going to focus on college football and uh, specifically about the rankings, the playoff rankings that came out yesterday from the committee, the first. Yesterday. Of many. All right. uh, Hawaii, Fresno State, you would consider this a rivalry. We have have played no other school as many times as we have played the Fresno State Bulldogs. uh, University of Hawaii has, by the way. And uh, we did uh, lose the Paniolo Trophy, but up for grabs, the Golden Screwdriver. <laughs> Who's going to take that home? Hopefully Hawaii. Hopefully Hawaii. And there have been some very memorable games against with those two teams playing. The two that I remember the most were at home. One is that Friday afternoon, uh, early 2000s. It was a nationally televised game to be on uh-huh. a Friday, of course. And in overtime, Ashley Lee caught that pass in the end zone. Uh, I I remember it so well, and I remember another Saturday night game. I think it was well, the that's at Aloha. That's at Aloha, Aloha Stadium. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, that's a, June. That was not the early two thousands. That was June Jones. Wasn't that June Jones' first year? It, I thought it was maybe a second. Maybe maybe it was no. 90- the second year we won three games only. So okay. anyway, maybe it was his third year or something. But that was the day that you worried for your you worried for your life. Because Aloha Stadium was shaking. It was rocking. And you could feel the ground move, if you, especially if you're walking on those bridges. That was a scary place to be. That's how huge that was. Right. Well, the other game I remember with Fresno was when it really shook, and that was a Saturday night game, and I think it was Craig Stutzman who scored a late touchdown in that game. And that's when, and I remember being on the field in the fourth quarter when the thing really shook, and I remember people talking about the upper levels where the stands were really rocking. It's happened a few right. times there. Fresno State brings that out, I guess. Uh, those two games stand out the most. There's been some memorable games on the road over the years as well, but being there and watching that rivalry, and I guess when Pat Hill was there, who now does radio for them, even though the, uh, he, he and June got along, it was more heated, it seemed like. I don't know if Pat Hill, more of a, a yeller and a screamer getting on the refs or stuff like that, but it was a pretty heated, still is a heated rivalry, but there was some very memorable game going back to the whack days between the two schools. The game I remember was it was on the road, and Nick Rolovich was the quarterback, and they beat Fresno State, and... I believe it was a pay-per-view, or maybe it was free TV back then, but it was on Oceanic Time Warner Cable or something. Anyway, uh, I I think it was past that. Yeah, K5 wasn't around back then, I believe. But anyway, it was uh, they were interviewing Nick Rolovich, uh, young Nick Rolovich, on the field after the game, the sideline reporter, and he let he he dropped an F bomb that was not deleted. There was no delay. It is because he was so happy. Yeah, we effing beat them or something like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that's on live television. And, and that's uh, your Rolovich, favorite memory. Yeah, and Rolovich being the, the unconscious guy, you know, that he was. Would be, oh, whoops, sorry. This isn't Twitter, Nick. Yeah. By the way, he Twitter? made a reappearance on Twitter over the weekend. First time oh. in a year. I, I, I wasn't watching for his reemergence on social media. 
I wasn't watching, but several people in Hawaii retweeted. I think the first tweet was, I've been away for a while. Anything gone on in the last year or something like that? Oh, okay. Well, good luck to him. Is he being yeah. sued by people still? or I, I, I think the lawsuit. Is he suing the, people? I think he's suing Washington State. I think that's still in the process. Hmm. But, uh, again, with Fresno State and Hawaii, yeah, they've always had some great games. And this is a team, you know, last week we talked about Wyoming being the best conference team Hawaii's played up until that point of the four. I think Fresno State, especially with Jake Hayner back, is even right. better. They average just under 400 yards a game on offense. And right. what a difference he made. They've won, I think, four in a row as well. Where they're, 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 they're hot right now. So they've been right. playing well when you get Hayner back even more so. Yeah, and this was a team. Well, he's back. He was back last week. It's not yeah, like he's making. Yeah. We wish he was coming back so he'd be a little rusty. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, for this game, but um, this is a team that was picked to win the Mountain West Conference, not Boise State. In the preseason, by the coaches, they said, "No, Fresno State's the team to beat." I mean, right now they're uh, five and one in conference play, four and four overall. That's wrong. And I saw oh. those notes. They, oh, how, could they have, how could they be 5-1 and one and only be 4-4 four and four overall? It's a typo. They're 3-1 <laughs> in the conference. And I caught that earlier today thinking so, it's pretty creative on their part. That's pretty good. 3-1. and one, I don't think they're trying to overhype themselves. No, no, no. They're, so they're 3-1 and one in conference play. Still a really good record. 5-1 and one is better. Uh, some might say they're going to be 4-1 and one after this game. But right. who knows? Hawaii can go over there and shock the world. We've done it before. They've, we've done it before, and again, this, te- this is the team that was nationally ranked last year. Braden Shager, I believe that was his first start for Chevin Cordero, and they won. Yes. That was a yes. home game, of course. Still, yes. they beat a team that was heavily favored and nationally ranked. They're on paper not as good as they were last year. They're not ranked or getting votes. Uh, these things have happened. And the other part about this game that gives me hope, and hopefully for the fans, Hawaii's three losses, and I know they were against other schools like Nevada, Colorado, uh, I mean Colorado State, and San Diego State, but they've only been by a combined 13 points, two, four, and seven of the three conference loss total. You right. know, they've been in every game. And, you know, maybe that doesn't mean a lot to some. To me, it shows, and we've talked about it numerous times, how far this team has come. They have improved. And I, I'm not sure if there's really anybody on their schedule, and we said this two, three weeks ago, where you're going into this game thinking Hawaii has no chance. This is not a Vanderbilt. This is not a Michigan. This is not even a Western Kentucky. These teams are okay, and it's a rough year for the Mountain West, but Hawaii has been competitive with these teams lately, and I think they'll be the same on Saturday. Don't gloss over that. This is a horrible year for the Mountain West Conference in football as far as the strength of the teams. Boise State is not who they used to be, yet they are just rolling over everybody. Fresno State, we've lost 13, just so that folks are clear. This is a road game. The last time Hawaii was on the road, it was against San Diego State, am I correct? Colorado State. Colorado State, and we lost, uh, you know, who at the time was considered worse than Hawaii. So they lose to four on the road to Colorado State. I'm here to tell you it's a horrible year for the Mountain West Conference, but Fresno State is no Colorado State. So if Hawaii, it's almost like a moral victory if Hawaii loses by four. I know some people hate to hear that. But if we lose by four to these guys, you know, that's that's kind of a marker saying, yeah, you know what, we're close. We're like the Lions. We're close. We're close. All these short, the short losses. But, you know, don't go in expecting Hawaii to win the game or expecting Hawaii to play super close i know that sounds really negative we hope for the best don't we as fans we hope for the best for coach timmy and the players because they work their butts off all week 
And to go up there and get blown out, I don't know if Hawaii gets blown out the way that our defense has been playing. But this is the first time their three team captains are all playing together. Jake Hayner, uh, one of the wide receivers, uh, Josh Kelly is his name, and a defensive back. They got all their leadership back on the field. So this is gonna be a this is gonna be a tough task. Hawaii's got to hold its own. But and don't if Hawaii doesn't win only if Hawaii loses by it doesn't lose by just a few or win the game, do not be disappointed. No, I would mean again right now I think this point spread is about twenty four. I'm I'm Woo! hoping they win, but I do expect them to be competitive in this game. I just don't think this team is gonna get dominated or blown out by anybody i know fresno state's a different team with hayner yes still i i think that hawaii has been again even though the first three opponents not the same wyoming is a good football team and hawaii was right there with them it looks like they were at a home. better team at, at home. home true true but all i'm saying is i expect them to be competitive i think you know the september blowouts are a thing in the past in the mexico state game that's not going to happen this is a better opponent yes i would be surprised if hawaii is you know more than two scores away from this team yeah, and um, it's not going to be raining. I'm guessing part of the problem with Braden Shager's last game, with all those overthrows, maybe the ball got a little slippery. Maybe he's like Kenny Pickett. He has tiny, tiny hands. I don't know. But I think that might have been part of the problem. But anyway, hey, you know what? It's Rainbow Warrior football. We watch. We give them every time, no matter what. Thank you guys for texting in to the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, here's a memory. Brought a Nate, put a thunderous hit on Carr. Fumbled, we recovered, and on the last play, Lalee in the corner. Aloha shook. Scary, baby. Thank you, Hank. Yes, great memories. Great memories. Wow. Oh, that was uh, Nate Jackson, so that's how we got the ball. I don't. Re- I, I remember watching the game, but I don't remember that. Uh, fun fact, the UH and Fresno series was even until Norm Chow happened. Thanks a lot, Norm. Oh, stop. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We've beat them before, but Jake Hayner is back, and we don't have all our studs on defense either. Transferred or left the program. That's a lot of great defensive players that are gone. Our defense won the game last year. This game could really get ugly if the Bows can't stop Hayner, Mims, and Cropper. So those are the names to look out for. We'll get more into this coming up, but uh, we've got Brian Fisher He's uh, joining us next. He's the host of the podcasts Going for Two and Head Coach U. He's also the managing editor of D1Ticker.com and CS Connect Live. And he's a college football writer at CF Bond Fox. CF College Football on Fox. Oh, okay. So it's not one word. No, no, no. Previation. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. First unveiling of the college football rankings came out yesterday. We're going to get into that and more as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's a college football writer, also the host of a couple of really cool podcasts, Going for Two and Head Coach U. Brian Fisher joins the show. Brian, great to talk to you again. Were you surprised at all that Tennessee was the number one team in the committee's rankings yesterday? Uh, no, I think it was a pretty simple choice for the committee, you know, just really based on, on the strength of that win over Alabama, which which the committee put at number six. I, I think they really did 
uh, value that result for, for the Vols. I, I think you also got to consider that uh, this is a team that you know does have one of the best offenses in the country. It didn't seem like Boo Corrigan, the uh, committee chair, kind of referenced offense a few times, uh, both in his teleconference last night and on TV with ESPN. And so uh, I, I think they, they do highly value what the, what the Vols have been able to do on that side of the ball. You also got to consider the fact that, uh, that you know leading into that rankings, they looked very impressive in that game against Kentucky. They have solid wins over over Pitt and Florida, and as well as another top ten win uh, in LSU. So I, I think overall, not a surprise at all to see Tennessee there at number one. And I guess if anybody did think that was a little bit of a surprise, it'll so it'll sort itself out because they play Georgia this week. I mean, if they beat Georgia, well, of course they're legitimately number one. What happens if Georgia wins? What do you think the the, the rankings would look like next week as far as those two schools? Yeah, I, I think obviously the, the Georgia would, would ascend to the, to the number one spot, and I think pretty much unanimously, probably across not only the college football playoff committee, but. Uh, across the other two polls as well, and and I think that would be um, you know pretty understandable considering if if they do end up uh, winning that one in Athens, they would have not only a win over the number one team in, in Tennessee, but uh, that win over o- o- Oregon at the very beginning of the year uh, just continues to look better and better uh, given the dominance that they displayed there in Atlanta. So uh, I think the Bulldogs, although they've had you know, some turnover issues here and there and, and have been a little bit uh, questionable at times, uh, I, I think overall they they are they are really um, really poised to kind of take that, that number one spot. I know there's a few other schools that have a chance to get in. We'll get to those in a second. But I, I threw this out yesterday, I believe, on the show, and I get your thoughts. What happens if the Tennessee-Georgia loser, or excuse me, winner, then loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and all three of those schools only have one loss? How do you think that will play itself out in the final rankings? Well, well, that's that's the chaos scenario, right? You know, yeah. where, where you could be sitting there looking at uh, you know three SEC teams all with very good resumes, all you know passing quote unquote that eye test. You know, and I think that would be uh, certainly a, a bit of a nightmare scenario if you're a Clemson, a Michigan out there, uh, certainly a TCU, even a, a Pac-12 team, and um, you know everybody's kind of hoping that uh, if nothing else, the SEC itself will, will sort itself out. You know, where where Alabama would have that second loss, where. Uh, ideally, you have some clarity between the Georgia-Tennessee situation. I, I think, obviously, the SEC champion is, is almost guaranteed a, a spot, you know, really guaranteed almost one of those top two positions and, and uh, a trip to there to the, uh, the the Peach Bowl in Atlanta for the semifinal game. The, the, the question, though, is, is going to come down, you know, really to, to resume. And, and whether some of these wins or some of those losses, if they all have one loss, are, are going to be close. You know, I, I think Georgia, with the, the strength of their schedule at this point, um, if they were to lose a, a nail-biter, you know, right down to maybe a last-second field goal against Tennessee, I, I think Georgia could still sneak into that field, especially when you consider some of the others out there, like a Michigan, not all that strong of a non-conference slate. Clemson kind of in the same boat. I, I think they were kind of propped up a little bit by some of those, um, you know, top 25 wins over teams like Syracuse and Wake Forest. If those teams drop out of the ranking, I think Clemson could slip down a little bit. So there, there definitely is a kind of chaos scenario where you could see – Three SEC teams end up making that Final Four. Wow, I know that's been discussed. That would be incredible and crazy if that happened. You can follow Brian Fisher on Twitter at Brian D. Fisher, B-R-Y-A-N, as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Let's let's give another hypothetical, I guess. If somehow, let's say, Ohio State loses by a field goal to Michigan in a few weeks and that's their only loss, they wouldn't go to the Big Ten championship game as long as Michigan wins out. Would Ohio State be able to get in with what with that one loss? 
I, I, I think it would really depend on, on kind of the nature of, of that game. And, and to be honest, I, I think it would be probably a little tougher for, for that Big Ten loser uh, to be sitting there with, with one loss. You know, the, the non-conference slate uh, for the Buckeyes, you know, Notre Dame, that win does not look quite as good as it certainly did uh, as, as we thought in, in, in the opener, um, just given the way they've trailed off. Yes, they've kind of run, run rampant through the Big Ten, but there's really not a lot of marquee wins on there outside of Penn State. So, so Ohio State and Michigan, consequently, need that win over a top ten uh, opponent. You know, the, the Wolverines at least uh, you know do get to play Illinois uh, before in, entering that uh, game against Ohio State and, and potentially the Big Ten title game. So they would have another kind of marquee win on the docket. But at the end of the day, I think when you're, you're comparing the resumes to what uh, a Tennessee, what what a Georgia, what even a TCU uh, could kind of throw out there. Maybe even a, a Pac-12 team like like an Oregon, uh, just given the number of top 10, top 15 wins they would have, it, it would look a little bit dicier, I think, for some of those teams if they had just one loss. You mentioned TCU, Brian. I want to ask you about them. Let's assume they went out. They would be undefeated right now. They're number seven in the ranking. Would they be able to get in with other teams having one loss if they run the tables? If, if they run the table, I, I think there's there's no way the committee is going to deny a undefeated Power Five champion, you know, access to the playoff. I, I think, you know, where, where it would get dicey certainly is if you had, you know, four or five of those, but that's not going to be the case this year. I think TCU, the, the path is very clear. Went out and you're in. Take a loss, though. I think things are, are going to be a little bit more questionable. You got you got to think as much emphasis was placed on you know TCU and, and the Horn Frogs, you know, going back and, and making those those four straight wins over ranked teams. Oklahoma's not in the top 25. Kansas is no longer in the top 25. Potentially, Kansas State and Oklahoma State could end up dropping out even if they were to suffer a few losses. Even so, you know, you're, you're looking at maybe a t- another top 15 win in the Big 12 title game. They will not likely play another ranked opponent except for Texas. Um, you know, the rest of the way this season. So I, I think from a resume standpoint, TCU's only ho- hope right now is, is to run the table and, and be undefeated. If not, I, I think even when, when you're comparing what they would be able to do compared to an Oregon, USC, Utah, UCLA, um, they, they would just not have those kind of top 10, top 15 marquee victories that some of the others would have. Tulane right now, is number 19 is the highest ranked group of five school. Is that a surprise? And you expect them to continue in the final poll and get into a big New Year's bowl game? Yeah, you know, I, I think, that, you know, Tulane really helped by that victory on, on the road against a very good Kansas State team. You know, I, I think that has, has certainly propped them up. Uh, they, they do have that one loss, you know, against Southern Miss, which, uh, you know, kind of weighs them down a little bit. Although Southern Miss looking uh, very, very much like a contender there in the Sun Belt. So, uh, not not the worst loss uh, for them, but at the end of the day, I think the strength of the American is, is really playing into their hand. Uh, they'll have a pretty strong closing kick. They'll play UCF. They'll play at Cincinnati on, on Black Friday, a tricky SMU team. But uh, it, it's going to be uh, you know very interesting to see how, how Tulane uh, continues this, this with the additional pressure uh, coming up with uh, the, the upcoming slate here. But I, I think for sure the shoe-in right now for the AEC and, and the Group of Five champ uh, is going to come out of the American. Only about a month away before we find out who's in the playoffs and the group of five school and so much more. Brian, thanks again for talking college football. We'll check out the podcast Going for Two and Head Coach U. We enjoyed talking with you this morning. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you again. Brian Fisher joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. All righty then. Uh, let's see, we got the Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up in about 15 minutes. It's brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger and Rivals Waikiki. Got a question for you, Gary. Okay. 
What do Steph Curry, Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton, Shohei Otani, Serena Williams, Andre Iguodala, Chris Paul, Jason Tatum, Josh Allen, Tony Romo, Trey Turner, Sidney Crosby, and Andy Murray have in common? We'll answer that coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Like we say, the Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up in nine minutes on ESPN Honolulu. If you have a question for Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, text it in at 808-296-1420. Before the break, I was asking, what do uh, Grand Slam champion Andy Murray, uh, star hockey player Sidney Crosby, most haven't heard of him because he's a star hockey player, uh, Dodgers shortstop Trey Turner, Tony Romo, Josh Allen, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Andre Iguodala, Shohei Otani, Serena Williams, Steph Curry, and more. What do they all have in common? None of them have given me money. That's one thing they have in common, but they're all joining Tiger Woods. None of them have given me money. Yeah. But they're giving money to the new golf league, the TGL, and that's a lot of big-time investors, that's for sure. It is. I didn't know Andre Iguodala had that much money. <laughs> He's I probably mean, the, one, the lower end of everything as far as donating, yeah. Right. So what it is is Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, as Gary was alluding to, uh, have gotten together and started a new company, although they're not the founders of the company, which I find very curious. It's TMRW Sports, which I guess would be an acronym for Tomorrow Sports. What does that stand for? Tiger M. Rory, uh, maybe for the R. I'm not sure. Rory Woods. T- anyway, TMWR uh, Sports. Their founder is a guy named Mike McCarley. And uh, what it is basically is it's virtual golf. Now, Hunter Henry and I were down at Golf Tech. A lot of people know that Golf Tech Hunter is great. He- Hunter Henry and you? Really? I mean, yeah, and Hunter Hughes. All three of us were there. And. Um, <laughs> And so a lot of people know the the company Golf Tech is a place where you learn to play golf better and they fit you for clubs and things like that. But they have a virtual golf bay that you can go and just play virtual golf. And so that's what this is. This is virtual. It's a virtual golf league. And it's a team competition. And they'll have players, six three-man teams in 15 regular season matches. Uh, they're going to start in January of 2024. It's a virtual course. Um, uh, it's going to be uh, prime time Monday nights. I don't know what television station it's going to be on. I would guess maybe it would be the Golf Channel. I'm not sure. But this is a, you know what? This is the invention with eSports being so hot. And People who consume golf love it, and they can't get enough of it. This is a, this is something that is going to be, I think, absolutely a huge hit. 
And I think that with Tiger Woods and Maury, Rory McIlroy being behind it, oh, the M stands for McIlroy, I guess. No, right? Tiger McIlroy Rory Woods. <laughs> anyway, I think this is huge. This is going to be a huge hit. I wonder. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm not – I mean, these guys are great. Oh, well, Tiger and Rory, of course, are two of the greats to ever play the game, but it's virtual golf. I don't know if I want to see that out of these guys where I'm going to invest that much you know what? time. You can watch Tiger Woods play golf forever. That's what we're talking about. Tiger is going to compete. Now, you don't know about this because you're old. What I'm talking about is this is the this is this is this is a, a new craze that's sweeping the nation. Billions of dollars go into esports, and you've probably read about it somewhere, because I know you're not a fan. I'm not a fan of Fortnite or anything else, but at the same time, you can't deny that this is a huge industry. And by, t- by, t- by bringing eSports to the golf world, oh, that's, it's, it just makes so much sense. Again, Tiger Woods is going to compete in a few matches, but t- you can watch Tiger Woods when he's 60 compete in virtual golf. That's going to be a big draw. I'd rather see him participate in regular golf. Virtual golf is like watching him playing a video Look, game. I, I'm t- right, and that's what it is. That's you'll have people in, in uh, all over the country, even in foreign countries, fill a stadium, fill a seventy thousand seat stadium to watch people play video games. They're already doing it, Gary. I know. Welcome, welcome to twenty twenty two. You're a little late. But I'm glad you've arrived. You're a little late. The too. fantasy the year's almost over. The fantasy uh, <laughs> uh, rivals fantasy football show is coming up next. Now, rivals fantasy football on ESPN Honolulu. All right for the next thirty minutes or so, it's the rivals fantasy football show brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by on. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. The Waikiki. Malia by Outrigger. As we celebrate Jimmy Garoppolo's 31st birthday, we dedicate this show to Jimmy G. Let's get into it. I want to know how we're going to celebrate his birthday. I think we'd like to celebrate, if you have him on your roster, of him maybe getting a 31-point game, uh, which is probably something he's never done in fantasy, in fantasy numbers. Speaking of fantasy, we talked earlier in the show about the trades yesterday in the NFL, and I think some of them are really going to have you know, effects or ramifications uh-huh. on the uh, fantasy teams right now. And here's one, uh-huh. though, that I don't think anybody maybe really thought of initially. Uh-huh. Chase Claypool, this is not my final answer on this, but Chase Claypool we know got traded to the Bears. And it's partly what I was thinking and also just reading. A lot of people are thinking that Justin Fields is going to be one of the winners of this trade. You know, he had a pretty good game last week. And in the last uh-huh. few weeks, as much as myself and probably others look at this guy in the field, don't think he's a great quarterback. A lot of it is the team around him. He's actually been a little bit better fantasy-wise. And, again, you get now a Chase Claypool on your team. Of course, Chase Claypool will probably have higher numbers, as you'd expect, but also so will Justin Fields. Yes, and Justin Fields, and this is non-fantasy talk, but I heard, I don't know if it was Rich Eisen on CBS Sports or somebody talking about, of the, is the sophomore quarterbacks, right? Of the sophomore quarterbacks, Zach Capono Wilson, Justin Fields, I'm leaving a couple of Trey people Trey Lance, out. Mac Jones. Craig Jen, right. Trevor it Lawrence. Looks, it looks like, very good. 
Um, it looks like, especially the way Trevor Lawrence has been playing, it looks like Justin Fields now has the biggest upside of any of these guys because you've seen it. For some reason, the Bears are playing with those ugly orange uniforms every they week. Are. And when you see them on TV, and there's more than just glimpses of um, great athleticism, some decision-making. looks like he might be. I wish he was on a different team. Sorry, Bears fans. That, um, that he, he might be a pretty good quarterback in the future. Yeah, I think it was just everything around him that you know. You look at the Bears, really inept on offense, and they were last and year. Not again his fault. the line. Again, yeah, of course, the line. it starts there. It starts there. The offensive coordinator was bad. And this year, it's not much better. So I, I, I think again, you look at the Thursday night game against Washington a couple of weeks ago. They lost that game. He had some pretty good plays in that game. And you're right. Again, he was great in college, but even just from a fantasy perspective, you can see this guy becoming better fantasy-wide with Chase Claypool. And even before they get Chase Claypool, he was starting to get higher numbers. He was starting to improve a little bit. And he was a guy which I wouldn't go near as far as a fantasy quarterback, but I think he and Claypool are going to have higher numbers. They're going to complement each other well. Well, hopefully. Um, uh, Claypool was supposed to be the number one guy. After Juju Smith-Schuster, they thought, okay, Claypool's Mm -hmm. supposed to didn't happen. Now, part of the problem is Mitchell Trubisky and the tiny-handed Kenny Pickett uh, <laughs> haven't really worked out. But the, the what I like about what I like about and there's been people that have criticized this one, by the way. But what I like about this is that you have Darnell Mooney on the other side, and Darnell Mooney, Mooney, you know, right now he's a ten to twelve point kind of guy weekly in fantasy football. But you know, either this works out really well for Mooney or it works out really well for Claypool, and I tend to think that it would really work out well for Claypool, that he would benefit more. I think it's a win-win for them, and for a team that was unloading guys like Roquan Smith and uh, Robert Quinn the week before, they get a guy for the future. I think it's a good move for them. Pittsburgh gets a second-round draft pick, but I think fantasy-wise you're going to see better numbers from all three of them. I I agree with you on that. I want to get Tanner in on this on a topic with TJ Hawkinson, another player that Tanner switched, Hayworth, come in, come that, in, Tanner Hayworth. That he switched teams, of course. He goes to Minnesota, same division. And we were talking about this yesterday. I know Tanner follows these yesterday. things so closely. With TJ Hawkinson, he was saying yesterday uh, how highly yesterday. he is ranked as a tight end in the NFL. I have seen a few people talk about him being maybe a TE6, TE5. Uh, Tanner, I get is really good at this. I want to get his take on where he would rank TJ Hawkinson now with Minnesota. A TE- a TE5 and TE6, doesn't that mean he's a fifth or sixth string tight end? No, it means he's one of you the mean, best. No, no, no. If you're a WR1, there are many WR1s in fantasy football. You're saying he's the fifth or sixth best tight end. There's a difference. Well, not really. I'm talking about people. What I've read is that he is maybe the fifth or sixth best tight end in fantasy right now. And yesterday yeah, okay, were, that's yeah. good. Yeah, okay. so he's a fifth or sixth best. He's not a TE5. A TE5 means he's fifth string. By the way, Tanner, jump in here. And you were mentioning that off the air that TJ Hawkinson was really, really good. Yeah, because he does a lot of, personally, I think he's really good. He does a lot of things that don't necessarily get you points in fantasy football. But he's also a really great receiving tight end. He just hasn't had a lot of great, you know, quarterbacks to work out with in Detroit. And I know how much you like to talk up Jared Goff, but Jared Goff is Probably not as good as Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, as a passer. 
In uh, fantasy, though? In fantasy as well, I believe. Okay. Because mm-hmm. when you look at Jared Goff, especially this year, sure, he's looked good the beginning of the year. The last couple of weeks, he hasn't looked so hot. I really right. like TJ Hawkinson. He's a great run blocker, one of the best. And as a receiver, he gets out there. He runs great routes. He's got sure hands. And now that he's finally somewhere where he's not necessarily the number one target because there are guys out there like Justin Jefferson, right. like Adam Thielen, and if and he provides very well that he can stay out on there, even out on the field when there are running plays called. So you don't necessarily – he's not telegraphing whether or not you're having a passing play or a running play. He is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I think for a while he was considered to be a top five guy. He just never had the receiving numbers to really back it up, and I think that's more on the fault of the Detroit Lions rather than TJ. Uh, and I, again, a great way of looking at it with what he can bring to this team. And again, the receivers around him will definitely probably should have higher numbers. All right, let's uh, move on. Thank you. Uh, jump in here, Tanner, anytime. The uh, Bills have acquired a pass-catching running back in Naheem Hines from the Colts. Naheem Himes going from the Colts with a bad quarterback to now the Bills, another weapon for the Bills. Fantasy-wise, Himes on the Bills. What say you both? Everybody thinks this is a great move. You know, they get rid of Zach Moss. And Himes was on my fantasy team either last year or the year before. It never was very productive. So I'm kind of curious why people are thinking this is a great move but his pass catching ability is one of the reasons third down back they can get some right. crucial yards from a fantasy perspective he is considered uh, he's considered an upgrade for buffalo and an uh-huh. upgrade if you're an owner of him or you know if he's on your roster right now probably going to be more productive now than he was uh, with Indianapolis, so that's a, a good move. Uh, but he, again, he's not going to get you know twenty twenty five carries a game. I don't think that's going to happen. But still, the fact that he can catch the ball and Josh Allen likes to throw it, uh, uh, it's going it's to add up to higher numbers there. Well, what's nice what, about what, what's oh. nice about Naeem Hines, and you say that he's not going to get a lot of carries. I think that's the intention with Naeem Hines. He's not going to be your um, he's not going to be your bell cow running back. He's going to be out there for passing plays primarily. When you look at his numbers over the last five years that he's been in the league, he if you go down the years from his rookie year to what he's playing now, 63 catches, 44 catches, 63 catches, 40 catches, and so far this year, 25 catches. If you are in a PPR league, I think it's very – if you got Naheem Hines on your bench, I wouldn't be surprised if you have him out here as a viable starter with all the bye weeks and injuries going on. In the NFL, I really like Naeem Hines, and when he's had the chance to play a lot more in Indianapolis, whether it be due to injuries to guys like Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor, he's taken his chance as well, unless he got hurt, because that's also another issue that you do have with him, is that he is a smaller guy. So you can't necessarily have him out there pass blocking for sure, but he will be a nice receiving threat, a really great guy to come out out in the flats, as well as become a nice returner for the Buffalo Bills. All righty. And uh, coming up, this is the Rivals Fantasy Football Show brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. I, I feel like he invented fantasy sports. He's going <laughs> to join us. If you've got a question for your fantasy team, you can call in or text it in now at 808-296-1420. Back to... What we're really uh, ta- the topic at hand here is 
after the trade deadline, how does that affect fantasy football? And my question is, uh, now the Jaguars have Calvin Ridley. Uh, how, how, that was a joke. Well, I mean, it might affect them. It might affect the Christian Kirk in the future, a guy I have in my team. Yeah, it was a joke. He's, yeah. he's suspended. It was. I was trying to make it funny. But for fantasy, it could make a difference next year. I mean, they, they got him for the future. Christian Kirk just signed there as a free agent in the summer yeah. or off season, and he's been really productive. Uh, using him as a flex, but he's been really good for the most part. Now you wonder, using I mean, a, folks didn't hear using him as a flex. He's been really good, is what you said. Yeah. But Calvin Ridley, when he joins that team. He automatically will be WR one. Right, right. I, I, I mean, that's was, next year. I was just making yeah. a joke. That's yeah, I know. Next year. But it would Let's be something to consider for next year. If you have like a dynasty league where you can keep a guy, you wonder if Kirk would be that guy now with Christopher Ridley uh, on the scene next year if he is reinstated, as we think, but we're not sure of yet. Mm-hmm. Other t- uh, maybe losers in the trade deadline are guys that didn't get traded. Brandon Cooks. There were rumors he was one of the guys that one of the top guys besides Bradley Chubb and Claypool that was going to move. Now he's stuck with the Texans. I know Davis Mills. It's not you can't put all the blame on the Texans' failures on him. But for for Brandon Cooks, a guy who was pretty productive early, a lot of a lot of hype at least with the Texans. He's just not going to put up a lot of points. And if you had him on your team, you were probably hoping he was going to get traded. Because it could be an upgrade wherever he was going to go. Oh, Kareem yeah. Hunt was a guy who's, you know, he, he probably gets one-third of the carries, I would imagine, without looking at the numbers between Nick Chubb and he. And he still can be productive. He'll come in for a couple of series here and there, not just a play in two. But now that he is now with Cleveland once again without being moved, and there were teams like Philadelphia maybe going after him, uh, maybe even the Jets at one point. He doesn't go, so you think you're kind of stuck with him. He's still going to be good or okay, but I think if you're a Kareem Hunt owner, you were hoping he'd get traded, and that didn't happen. Just like a Devin, well, not Devin Singletary, but uh, I think those two guys are the biggest losers if you have them on your fantasy team. And uh, well, it's amazing in today's day and age in sports that Kareem Hunt is not trying to get himself traded. In other words wiping his social media and having a bad attitude and sitting out because he's such a talent, but he's underused. I mean, I get it. Nick Chubb is awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, Kareem Hunt should be a starting running back in the NFL. Can you imagine if Miami took him? Whoa! Back with, with, um, oh, my gosh, I'm going blank. The other, Tyreek Hill? Man. Kansas City South. Here comes the Super Bowl. I mean, we know that they get Jeff Wilson, another guy who I think could be considered maybe a winner there because with Christian McCaffrey and San Fran, he was going to have his play, not only his playing time, but his reps and carries uh, minimized or really reduced. Now he goes to Miami where he has a chance, maybe not this week, uh, but I think in the future he'll have more of an opportunity to be productive in fantasy as well. And, yeah, for Kareem Hunt, I guess he's been averaging somewhere between 10 and 13 carries a game right around there maybe a couple of targets in the passing game. But now he's going to be, continue to get that. Again, if he's your second or third running back, okay. But, you know, if he would have gone to another team like Miami or Philadelphia, not so, not only because they're winning, but because he would have had an opportunity to get more playing time than behind Nick Chubb. He could have been the man, as you said. He could should be starting there. So not happening for him. I was also looking, Chris, now that we're at the midpoint of the season, as far as the overall point leaders. Uh, for fantasy football. I guess it's no surprise that quarterbacks are going to be number one. The first non-quarterback in there is Nick Chubb. 
Nick Chubb is number seven overall, averaging 19 points a game. But the first uh, six players in fantasy are quarterback. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts is still a little bit of a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise now. It's not really go as much as going into the season. I would never have envisioned him. I know he's a good runner. But I didn't think he would have the fantasy numbers that he's having. Not only the fantasy numbers, but he could be an MVP candidate. He's averaging 25 points a game, uh, just about 25 points. He has been really, really fantastic. That is one of the biggest surprises, I think, in fantasy football. As far as the number one receiver, you would think it's Cooper Cup, but it's Stephon Diggs. But they're both averaging just under 25 points. Uh, both really, really good fantasy players, but we are at the midpoint. Christian McCaffrey, a guy that I don't are you know. Going, he, you're going off of you're going off of total points. Points average per game, PPR, which is basically the same thing. PPR league for average per game. Right. Okay. So the points per game, um, the, the points per game. The first guy is Jalen Hurts, right? No, Josh just Allen. Mentioned, I'm sorry, uh, non-quarterback Nick Chubb. Yeah. Is it 19.1? Yeah. I'm referring to something here from CBS Sports. But um, you know who's actually really high? He's not highly ranked because he doesn't have the total points because of injury is Tua Tagovailoa. He's, you know, Tua Tagovailoa. And, by the way, Marcus Mariota has acquired many, many points. Uh, Tua's at about 19 points. Mariota's at about 17. But, hey, Mariota's a top, so far, top 10 fantasy guy. When I look at Tua, think about the one game where that average comes down, which was the Cincinnati game. What was it, three weeks ago tonight? Right. And I don't know what he got in fantasy that game, but it probably was less than five points. I don't think he had a touchdown in that game. He got knocked out early. But if you take that game away, I bet his average is probably about 21 or two, which is pretty good. Yeah. And it's going to get better. I mean, you can just see he and Tyreek getting better and better with those numbers. I mean, 382 yards last week. I mean, he's just becoming a fantasy dominant player. Right. Uh, as well as everything else with quarterback rat- ratings and rankings. Yeah, there's a number of guys uh, on buy, a number of star players who have buys this week, and uh, we can get into that if we have time a little later on. But coming up next here on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com joins us, and uh, we'll get to his thoughts on your teams and uh, other things around fantasy football coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Is that time when we welcome in our special guest, our national expert in the Rivals Fantasy Football Show on ESPN Honolulu. If you do have a question, need help with your lineup, you can call or text at 808-296-1420 as we welcome in Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. He's a senior editor and the host of the Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today Show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Jeff, great to have you on. We are in November and the trade deadline uh, came and went yesterday. A lot of trades being made how does that affect fantasy football in your opinion hey gary uh you know it was fun watching all these trades happen we usually don't get this much activity at the trade deadline i think adam Schefter said it was the most deals done on trade deadline day in his memory and maybe ever uh 10 deals it affects us a lot look at say if you have tj hawkinson now you have to decide is he going to play a whole lot with such a short week to learn the viking system but in the long run is it better for him is it better for the it's certainly better for the vikings who, lo- who just lost Irv smith 
uh, for eight to ten weeks. Now they have someone who's a superior player probably stepping right in. Uh, you look to see, like, on the Lions, who steps in. Is, is, is someone else going to be able to get those snaps and even replicate, you know, anything close to what Hawkinson did for the Lions? Right now you're looking at Brock Wright and this rookie named James Mitchell. I think Amon Ross and Brown gets more targets as a result of that. Um, I think you look at Miami. You look at uh, the running back situation there. They traded away Chase Edmonds in the Bradley Chubb deal. They added Jeff Wilson. Now, Jeff Wilson played under, uh, the, you know, with the uh, – the Dolphins head coach who was their coordinator in San Francisco. So obviously knows the system might not take that long to get acclimated. Clearly they want to be part of the picture. So this hurts Raheem Mostert in the long run. Maybe this week he gets more work against Chicago, but certainly in the long run, you got to figure at least goal line carries are going to be in play now for Wilson. I saw where Jeff Wilson was projected to get about five and a half, five point seven points this week. And again, first week, you can understand that. But in the future, what would you think maybe a realistic projection would be for Wilson on Miami? It's probably closer to eight to ten. I mean, he's not going to be a workhorse back. It's going to be a timeshare where Mostert is still the primary and Wilson is the goal line guy. But he'll get a series here, a series there. I think he works more than Edmonds did before the trade. I think Edmonds fell out of favor. Uh, and they made a point of saying, okay, we need something better here. Mike McDaniel obviously knows Jeff Wilson, and I think he you know, affirmatively traded for him, wanted to get him on this roster. So he'll, he'll play a part. He'll be a, a, a flex play, a bi-week fill-in. That's the sort of level that you're looking at here. Another interesting move was Chase Claypool going to the Chicago Bears, and I was mentioning earlier about Justin Fields, how his fantasy production might increase, and it's been getting a little bit better. Also, Claypool probably was not doing much in Pittsburgh this year. Nobody really was offensively for them. What do you think about those two players now together on the Bears? So, you know, they, they made this trade because Fields was showing promise. They, they realized they had to get him a receiver. That was a real receiver. I mean, uh, they, they, he was doing this with a collection of cast-offs, has-beens, never-wases, uh, th- those type of players, plus Darnell Mooney, who's a real who's a legit receiver. But when you're, you're running out Nikhil Harry, Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, and Vilas Jones, you're, you're seeing that they just didn't have too many good options. Claypool's a legit receiver. I, I know some people question maybe the attitude that he had in Pittsburgh. He wasn't a perfect fit, but Pittsburgh also wasn't a perfect fit for him. Uh, he had a, receipt, uh, a quarterback last year in Ben Roethlisberger who never wanted to throw it downfield. Uh, mm. And the same thing I think was true uh, with Trubisky. I think Pickett wants to throw it downfield, but he's <laughs> kind of a scattershot guy. Um, I, I, I think this is, you know, Fields has shown real development the last few weeks. I'm really excited to see what they can do with him. I mean, I like that they're calling design runs for him. I think that makes a big difference. Plus, their defense is terrible. You're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts now. You're going to see a lot of games in the 30s, I think, weather permitting. Jeff Erickson from Rotowire joining us here on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by the Waikiki Amalia by Outrigger. We do have some questions from our listeners at 808-296-1420 via our text line. You can call as well. And the first one is, uh, in a PPR league, Kyle Pitts or Tyler Higby? Um, I, I guess, uh, Habe, I, I was encouraged to see them, uh, kind of un- unleash Pitts a little bit last week that the formula has to be where the Falcons fall behind or they're in a tight game going back and forth. They might throw the ball more. I think I go Higby. It's, uh, this week, it's actually pretty tough too. with some key guys on by. They're both in my top 10. You're not mm-hmm. thrilled about having to start them, but you're starting them. 
<laughs> you know, it's interesting with the uh, when you look at somebody like Pitts because when the Falcons are, they're getting in. You know, they're they're you know coming from behind a lot of times when they need those yard long yarded situations, third and nine, third and eleven, something like that. You'll see Mariota actually take off instead right. of throwing the right. ball. Yeah, uh, and some of that is because he tends to pull it down quicker than other quarterbacks. Some of that mm-hmm. is by design. Um, I. I think a perfect world for Arthur Smith Arthur Smith is when they throw it 15 times and run it 40 and win. And yeah. you know what? For all of our belly aching, and it is justified, by the way, but for all that, they're still <laughs> in first place in their division. Right. They're 4-4. Four and, four. Uh, yeah. and the Bucks are 3-5. and five. The Saints are 3-5. and five. Uh, the, 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 It was going to be like a, three, a four-way tie at 3-5 and five for a second there had Carolina imp- not uh, won that game with that crazy Kale Mary and then the subsequent helmet penalty, which whatever, but dumb, but still a dumb rule. Still should have made the kick. It's an NFL kicker in a dome. I still, aren't, you know, and, he, and Pinheiro had two chances to win that game. We could have had a four-way tie in that division. Ah, unbelievable. Hey, here's a question. Stu texts in, um, Jeff. He says, other teams in my league have dropped Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, and Andy Dalton. Should he pick up any of them uh, for the rest of the season? His current quarterback is Geno Smith. Should he pick up one of these, uh, you know, uh, Rodgers, Goff, Mariota, or Dalton? Uh, in addition to, but not in favor of Smith. Maybe. Yes. If you want to have a, have a second quarterback maybe to stream, yeah, I, I, I'd consider that. I probably wouldn't do Goff because they just took away Hawkinson from him. I think it's going to be tough sledding over the second half for the Lions. Um I think maybe Dalton. Keep in mind, he's been producing a little bit despite not having Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Uh, and I, I think that at some point in time, uh, that, that Saints offense will get a little bit better. Um, I, I mean, you can see the case for Rodgers, obviously. I mean, he could get better over the course of the season as the young receivers get better. Um, it's been a tough watch so far. I, I, I think you probably are almost streaming from week to week, trying to find the better opponents to try to face uh, and play it that way there. You know, you mentioned the buys, and uh, the Dallas Cowboys, one of the teams that have a buy. Dak Prescott, great week last week. He was on my team. And now, disappointingly, I have to start Jared Goff. All of the stuff you said, Gary, about Jared Goff. And I'm playing Gary this week, too. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> we're talking with uh, Jeff Erickson. Let's get a couple more real quick, and then uh, we're going to give away our Austin Eckler autographed mini helmet. Uh, this text hit came in a while ago. Should I drop? Wide receiver Michael Thomas. Uh, That's kind of a weird question. So frustrating. You know, here's the thing. Um, Michael Thomas, it's tough. There's six teams on by this week, and we don't know if he's going to play. I mean, I I would try to wait until you see the practice reports, the Thursday practice reports in particular, um, because I'd watch to see, like, if if it looks like he's going to play this week. If he's not going to play this week, I mean, you may need the roster spot. I mean, I think it's – one of those things where you might drop him and pick him back up later. But, I mean, you can't take a zero, right? Um, and that, that's what you're doing with a guy like him right now, and that, that's wow. super frustrating. Yeah. Okay, uh, Burrow or Stafford? Uh, the fact that you have to ask that question just shows how bad it is without Chase with the Bengals. Oh. I'm going to go Burrow um, with some regrets. I, I just think it's going to be tough. The Carolina held on to Brian Burns at the trade deadline, so he's going to wreak havoc on that on the, the, the Bengals' offensive line. But it's even a worse offensive line for Stafford. So go Burrow. 
All right. Well, Jeff, uh, tell folks about rotowire.com before we let you go. Why does it stand out, and why is it number one amongst all other fantasy sites? All right, making me try to brag here. Okay, Ah. Uh, we'll do our best here. Uh, So, first of all, we've been doing it in the business since 1997, so we've been in this for a long time, seeing, you know, kind of weather the highs and lows. We have have amazing customer service. Our customer service folks are the best in the business. We have something called Ask an Expert. you got a question like you heard on today's segment here. Uh, plug it into our Ask an Expert service. We'll get back to you within 24 hours, always before the major kickoffs. I have my rankings called the Value Meter, where I rank them every week. I do a couple updates during the course of the week. We have articles for DFS. We have articles for sports betting, if you'd like. Different types of leagues, free agent articles, any sort of specificity, specificity that you want, we can cover it there. Plus, we, uh, we want you to kick the tires and check it out. Uh, rotowire.com slash free gives you a free trial. There's no credit card required opens up the paywall you can see what you like there and hopefully you'll want to subscribe after you check it out you know see that's the main thing because a lot of people say hey try it for a month for free but once they they want you to stick in your credit card they make it impossible for you to cancel that's not the situation with rotowire no credit card required check it out rotowire.com check out the value meter and everything else that's great about it jeff thanks so much we'll talk to you again we appreciate it thanks jeff my pleasure thanks as always all right, man, that's Jeff Erickson, Roto-Wire. He's got a Sirius XM satellite show. We don't get that in Hawaii, so maybe when you're on the main line, you can yeah. check that out. Time to be uh, make folks a big winner. Call in now at 808-296-1420. And uh, right, uh, courtesy of Rivals Waikiki, one of the best, one of the best uh, fantasy players is Austin Eckler for the Los Angeles Chargers. And he makes it a point. That he wants, <laughs> he's campaigning before the season started for people to pick him up, and you you will not be sorry. One of the things that makes him so prideful as an NFL quarterback is he loves being on people's fantasy teams, and he does not want to let you down. Well, if you've got him, you're going to want his autographed mini helmet, or maybe there's an L.A. Chargers fan in your life this Christmas time. Call in at 808-296-1420. And uh, Gary's got a simple question for you coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, let's give it away. The Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Austin Eckler, autographed mini helmet. GD, go for it. I went a little bit different with the question today, and we've got a great prize, as we mentioned, but this is involving quarterbacks. And in the NFL so far this season, Josh Allen has thrown the longest pass. Can you tell me, first with less, within 10 yards, how long was the longest completed pass in the NFL this season? I didn't Oops. understand the question. The what? question okay. Within 10 yards, what is the longest completed pass in the NFL this season? The quarterback is Josh Allen. So in other words, if it was like 30 yards, it'd have to be within 10 yards of 30. It's a little higher than that, or a lot higher. Okay, so what's your guess? Within 10 yards, the longest completed pass in the NFL. He Oops. said 75. No, was that his... is not correct. All right, thank you very much for uh, calling in. It's a little confusing. I think you're confusing with it was Josh Allen and all that. How long? Here's the question. 808-296-1420. 
But this helmet valued at over $12,000, I I think. I'm not sure. That's just my opinion. How long is the longest pass in the NFL? Not longest pass in the air. Longest pass completion? Yes. How long is the longest pass play within 10 yards in the NFL this year? Who's next? Hi, Glenn. Hi, good morning. Okay, did you hear the question? Go for it, Glenn. Yes, um, I would say 80. 80 is not within 10, no. Wow, okay, thanks, Glenn. Is it longer or it's shorter? It's higher, it's higher. Okay, Tony knows he's calling in at 808-296-1420. Longest pass play in the NFL this year, Tony? I'm going to guess 98-yarder to Gabe Davis. You are exact, exactamundo. <laughs> Way to go, way to go. 98 yards. All right, congratulations, and uh, thank you for listening to the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Tanner's going to get some information from you and get you this mini helmet. Thank you, brother. All right, uh, there we go. That is, And that's how we do the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. And thanks again to Jeff Erickson. Listening to Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. All right, who we've got uh, some great prizes and memorabilia to give away next week. It's every Wednesday at eight o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. We didn't get to all of the uh, all of the uh, questions that were texted in, but some of these were answered already. Maybe the folks just didn't hear it. Uh, for example, is um, uh, somebody says maybe Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, picking him up if he's like on the waiver wire, and then uh, Jeff Erickson did say, yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. will do well uh, for the Miami Dolphins because Mike McDaniel was his coach at San Francisco. He already knows the system, so there's your answer there. I, and I, I forgot about the Jeff Wilson, uh, the Jeff Wilson with Mike McDaniel connection, so that's that's encouraging for people like me who have him on my team. Yeah, or anybody from San Francisco that goes over to Miami, I guess, offensively. Uh, I, I don't know what this means. You would. Five PPR, Kirk or Boyd? Half-point PPR league. <laughs> What's a half-point PPR league? Instead of a full, full point, you're getting, getting less per, per point. You're only getting a half-point instead of a point, I guess, for receptions. And... What fun is that? They're just, they're, 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 what I mean, fun this... is that, Either even though it's just easier to add? You know, you know what, like the PPR seems to be the most popular one, at least here with everybody I see plays PPR, sure. but I've seen IDP leagues. I've been an independent defensive player where you, instead of having a team's defense, you have a D lineman, linebacker, and defensive back, and it's like an offensive roster. You switch them every week if you need to. It's also the standard scoring, which I haven't played in, I don't think, ever. If, or if it was, it was years ago, but PPR is the most popular one, but that's what he meant. So he, the question was Boyd or Kirk? Yeah. Christian. Who's Boyd? Uh, Boyd for Cincinnati. And then oh, Jamar okay. Chase out, he did pretty good on Monday night. So I, I can see where he might be somebody you want to maybe key on. Now, Christian Kirk uh, for Jacksonville, I've got him on my team. For Christian Kirk this week, I'm going to give you the projections first. He is projected to get 13.4 points. I would go with Christian Kirk. I, I don't see any way. They're going up against the Raiders, who don't have a very strong defense. I don't know if the Jacksonville Jacks are going to win, but Kirk's probably going to be pretty productive there. So I would probably go with Kirk in that one. All right. So anyway, hey, folks, if you didn't get your question answered, you got that free trial at rotowire.com. What do you say, 30 days free? Yeah. No need to enter a credit card. They're just going to take down the paywall, 
and uh, check it out. And uh, rotowire.com, the place to go. All right, uh, coming up, a lot going on in the NBA, NFL, of course, which we just went over. We've got uh, the World Series. And what does it mean to be tipping your pitches? And was somebody cheating in yesterday's World Series? That and more sports shorts coming up on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I love Gary Dicker. I make no. Don't let anyone convince you of anything different. Hey, it's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. What does it mean to be tipping pitches? Well, it took pl- it allegedly it took place last. It's, no, it's not cheating. Well, it's not cheating to tip your pitches. I don't think it's even cheating to figure out wh- how they're being tipped and what pitch is coming by looking at how the pitcher is holding the ball or his glove or whatever. Oh, okay. So that's what. Okay, that's what that means. And I'll get to what, what what I'm talking about about last night. But so the pitcher for the um, the Astros, Lance McCullers. Yes. So tipping pitches means, is it something you do on purpose? No. Oh no, no, no. You never want to do that because if you are doing it and the team picks up on it, right. then they're going to be able to hit, let's say, five home runs in a World Series game, like yes, last night. See. I think it, what I think That's what, aren't they play. accusing him of that? Well, they are for one reason, what couple of reasons, but one comes into play, and I was watching this last night where Bryce Harper's a home run in the first inning. While he's in the dugout, you can re- you can read his lift. They had a close-up of him. He's going, Brom, Brom, Brommy, Brom, who's one of the next pitchers, uh, hitters up for the uh, Phillies, and he's whispering something to him about the pitcher. And Brom comes up, and guess what? Well, he hits a Alec Brom, Alec Baum, excuse me, hits a home run. So people are thinking Bryce Harper noticed something from the McCullers and maybe told Alec Baum about it, and that's why he was able to hit a home run. That's one example right there. Okay. I don't, I don't think Bryce Harper disclosed what he said, or even I'm not sure if he was even asked, but he did give him some info. And Lance McCullers said, "No, I just got whooped." End of story. But right. when a team is hitting home runs like that, that easily, you wonder if somehow he's got a different grip on the ball when he's throwing a fastball or whatever. But there were doing. different pitches, though. They were different pitches. One was kind of a not a hanging curveball, but a ball was kind of hanging. Another was a fastball. I mean, so Bryce Harper told Baum. Yeah, Baum he... told Brandon Marsh. He told Kyle Schwarbaum. And then he told Reese Hoskins. Is this how it went? I don't think it went where they all told each other something, but you could see Harper telling Alec Baum about what something along, along the lines of what the pitcher is doing. Yes. Okay, so if McCullers, the pitcher for Houston, yeah. 
if he is doing this and not aware of it, like I'm holding the, bo- the ball in my glove a certain way, and that means that kind of pitch is going to come, how can you deny it if you're doing something you don't know? He's denying it. I wasn't tipping pitches. Well, how do you know? Well, somebody on his team might tell him, like the pitching coach is going to be looking for that on his ah. own team. to let him know, hey, you know what? Especially after you let up a couple of home runs like that, and it was five home runs. Right. Uh, when you're doing something like that, somebody might give you a little you know, warning or advice or something like that. I don't know if he was tipping his pitches. I th- it has happened in baseball games, and teams are picked up on it. Usually don't say it publicly because you want to be able to do it again if you're the opposing team, for one example. Or, oh, yeah. Why, why was he accused of tipping because he gave up a lot of home runs i think part of it is that and whatever bryce harper saw i think i again the, nobody really commented directly on it after the game alec Baum hitting that home run in the first inning after bryce harper said something to him as soon as he hit his home run you wonder if there was something he noticed with the delivery that gave maybe Baum a little bit of a heads up that's that's sad it, it's like it maybe they were just on it instead of saying wow what an offensive performance by the phillies we say well, no one can be that good. The pitcher must have been tipping his pitches. Well, I think because How of the Harper just, conversation. But why, why can't – oh, okay. But, I mean, I, I don't know. From that one conversation, I don't know. The, the guy would be doing that five innings into the game? Like you say, somebody's going to um, somebody's going to stop him. I'm sorry, did we miss a break, Tanner? Oh, no, I was going to say, I was gonna say oh. for the tipping, because I did see a bunch of clips of McCullers, especially in that first inning. Yes. You could tell. Could tell because what? of how the way that he pitches, he in his uh, windup, he kicks his leg up, and you uh-huh. can tell whether or not which pitch he was going to throw based on how high his leg went. At least in the first inning, what? it was consistent. One video like that. Yeah. It was wow. consistent in the first couple of innings. He probably figured. He probably eventually figured out that he was probably telling a little bit and probably try to fix it. But in the first couple, in the first two innings. You could tell by how high his leg went, what pitch he was going to throw. Okay, of the two, if it was going to either be an off speed or a fast. Yeah, yeah. So how come his coach doesn't say, "Hey, dude, you're doing the same thing"? And with a guy who's that experienced, I wonder if he's done it all season or they just noticed it yesterday. That's, I mean, you you hear about tipping every now and then, but you would think it's something you can easily fix because if somebody makes you aware of it as a pitcher, and somebody should be making you aware of it, if the other team's figuring it out, your own team should figure it out. I remember yeah. there was a game in the regular season where an Angels pitcher, uh, I can't remember who it was, had a really obvious tell on a bunch of his pitches. Uh-huh. And Mike Trout in center field, you could see him realizing that uh-huh. he was tipping his pitches. And you could uh-huh. see, like, the just the not the sadness or regret, not really disgust either. I don't know what the emotion is. It's on par with disgust, but not as uh, <laughs> okay. but not as uh, aggressive as that. Where and he's we're all, just like we're this all... guy's tipping his pitches. So right now we're all picturing to ourselves as we're driving around town, going, "What does it mean to be disgusted, but almost?" What was Mike Trout <laughs> looking like? Uh, here's one. Well, now the Astros feel what it's like when batters know what's coming. Uh, yeah, payback. Thank you for the text at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Other sports shorts out there. The uh, ex-Kansas City Chief Assistant Coach Britt Reed got three years in prison. Of course, he's the son of um, Kansas City head coach Andy, Andy Reed. Reed. Thank you. Uh, looking right at it. So basically, it was after uh, after a game. Was it after a Super Bowl? After a game. After a game. 
Yeah, he was uh, intoxicated, driving 84 miles an hour. Somebody stopped on the side of the road to fix a flat, or they had car trouble. He ran into the car. A uh, little girl got injured, Ariel Young. Brain injury. Uh, she's still affected by it today. Um, you know, she can she can walk, but she drags her leg a little bit. Basically, this is going to affect her the rest of her life, and she's such a you know young girl. All right. But um, the family wanted were they were a little outraged because he asked for probation only, and they're saying what? Right. You're asking for probation. That's what the lawyers were for. He could have got a maximum of seven years. He got three years. And so the family is really upset, but at the same time, um, you know, Britt Reed, for that, for what you did and your trouble with drugs in the past, you got off easy. Got you got off easy, too. Dude. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, we will see you uh, tomorrow at 6 o'clock here. More World Series this afternoon at 2 o'clock, yes? Game four tonight back in Philadelphia. On ESPN Honolulu.